Welcome back to Ladies with Gumption, episode 117, Something to Believe in. I am your intro person, May, and I am here with Tatiana and Jessica. We recap DCTV in a flash. You can always contact us at ladieswgumption.tumblr.com, ladieswgumption at gmail.com. We're on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. You can leave us a lovely review or a nasty one like some people have. Um, on Apple Podcasts, <laughs> where the more, you know, the more positive ratings we get, the better, because then it improves our rankings. So, so we really all the more reason to go there and be nice, because yes, someone exactly. was mean and hurt our feelings. <laughs> Which, and, and like, we have, like, white friends, so, you know, that's false. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're oh. not reverse racist. We have white friends. We have white friends. <laughs> indeed (laughs) Um, we also have a Patreon so if you already are a patron we thank you so so much because your contributions and support have allowed us to buy new microphones so that we can improve our audio for you our dear listeners you will hear today on Jessica and not on Tatiana because they did not feel like sending mine yet (laughs) yes but you should get it by next week (laughs) and then um if you are an exclusive member, we do have some podcasts that we don't post to Podomatic. It's just for our patrons. You can listen to us talk about um, Existing While Not White, uh, ep- seasons one through three of Elite, The Witcher, Watchmen. We talked about Harley Quinn, the animated show, and Birds of Prey, the movie. And we have uh, much more discussion coming up because of the long hiatus that we're going to be in for quite some time. So you can always go to patreon.com slash gumption to sign up if you are able to support us. If not, totally fine. Um, but we always appreciate you. Over in the news section, we have uh, the DCEU Justice League Snyder Cut is actually happening. So this mythical, uh, presumably fictitious thing that did not exist does now exist and wb is going ahead and releasing it to hbo max exclusively next year around this time and i think they're spending like an additional 20 million dollars on the film or for like i think he wanted like reshoots or something i don't know what he's gonna do to finish it because i'm sure it yeah, would need a lot of post-production like CG, there's cgi or vfx that needs to be added in as well yeah so uh it already had like a 300 million dollar original budget and it grows 650 million worldwide um but obviously it's a very controversial film in that it's divided many (laughs) even though you know feel what you want about the justice league i guess the one upside is that Zack snyder will actually get to finish his film the silver lining in all of this um but i guess the um harley quinn episode like the the one that she didn't appear in and then it's like oh, the intro yeah. had like yeah. the guy the fan guy with like release the Snyder cut on his shirt. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's it's kinda like it's a weird precedent, you know? Like the fans just really wanted this and now they're gonna get it and then we're gonna see not that much is different. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. So right. I don't it's know. Weird too because like I feel like it's been enough it's been long enough that people have built it up in their heads and when it comes time to release it 
I don't know that they're going to be satisfied with what they see because, like you said, it's not going to be that much different. And then they're going to probably – some people will probably not even blame Snyder. It'll be like, oh, the WB forced him to make these edits or whatever. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But I just – on the other hand, it's like enough – if you harass people long enough, things will happen for you. And I don't know that that's a great message. (laughs) (laughs) If you harass them, things will change. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, and and that's just my people, personal opinion because a lot of people mm-hmm. love that this is happening. So, I think a lot of people also think because uh, Kirstie Clemens was in as Iris in the previous movie and her scenes got cut. So the fact that they're doing this matter cut, I think a lot of people are like, well, then does that mean that they're not going to recast Kirstie as Iris in the Flash movie? Which I don't know if that kind of correlates, but... Yeah. I mean, that would be interesting. I think guess that would be like a good positive coming out of this. Um, so I guess we'll see. Um, Doom Patrol season two synopsis is out. And they released like a couple of first look images uh, from the, I assume the, the second season premiere. And it has like the actress who's playing Dorothy, but she's turned around. So I can't see her face. Um, and the synopsis reads, Um, The members of the Doom Patrol find themselves shrunken and stranded on Cliff's toy race car track. Here they begin to deal with their feelings of betrayal by Niles Calder while confronting their own personal baggage. As each member faces the challenge of growing beyond their own post-past traumatic experiences, they must come together to embrace and protect the newest member of the family, Dorothy Spinner, Niles' daughter, whose powers remain a mysterious but real threat to bringing on the end of the world. Interesting. So are they going to stay on Cliff's <laughs> toy racetrack the whole season? Like, <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I hope they get off that thing. <laughs> yeah, I think they will, but it might be like the first, at least the first one or two episodes, maybe. Um, the Flash cast was on Star- Stars in the House, which is was set up to give donations to Actors Fund, which helps actors in time of need to pay their rent or their electric bill or what have you, because... Because of issues that they're going through or like the inability to get a job at that specific time. So it's very helpful to them. Um, And they kind of split the group in two and they discussed, they didn't really discuss much, but they were just talking about like the casting process and um, the fact that Candace hasn't seen Rent, which is, you know. (laughs) Or Law and Order. (laughs) Or Law and Order. (laughs) Rent, maybe. Like, yeah, okay. But Law and Order, like. (laughs) That's wild. I you. I mean, I just think, like, even even just, like, hello, what is your uh, pop culture life been like? It's also, like, why wouldn't you watch it just to see Jesse L. Martin, you know? Yeah. Like, you know he's in Rent. Why wouldn't you be like, I want to sing, hear him sing, I'll cover you. But oh well. <laughs> yes. And then Kenneth got to say her piece about, you know, playing Iris in this iconic role and how she's had to – we learned actually new things about her experience because she was saying – how um, WB basically has a process for when people, their actors or anybody that works for them receives death threats. And she didn't know that until she actually just voiced it. And I think that that's like that should have been like in the orientation. Package. Yeah. Like, Welcome to the WB. Here's where you go. If you get death threats, you know, it's kind of wild that and unfortunate that she had to go through all of that without any support, even from like the own, the studio itself. So it sucks. And she was told when she started to stay off social media because she was going to get hate. So you'd think that, like, they would also be like, and by the way, we should also check this out. But no, apparently not. 
<laughs> Makes no sense. Um, Logan Williams, who played young Barry on The Flash in the first two seasons, his cause of death was revealed recently by his mother. They, um, because they did a toxology report and it came back that he overdosed on fentanyl. I think the drug was called, um, and apparently fentanyl, he had started yeah. fentanyl. Yeah, and he had started using when he was thirteen, which is crazy. That yeah, that's insane. Like you know, three year addiction means he started at thirteen. Like that's crazy. Yeah, it was just really sad. Um, and in some controversial news, we have Ruby Rose. Like a few days after the Batwoman season one finale. We're all like, yeah, Batwoman's coming back. <laughs> she is, she quits slash is fired <laughs> from being Batwoman. And immediately after it happened, there was, there were reports from sources saying that, you know, it's mutual. She was unha- really unhappy with the show. She was really miserable. She hated being in Vancouver. Um, and there are but, also a lot of shady tweets or yeah. subtweeting going on. Like, uh, Jared Weisselman was like, you know, he saw that coming, and no, I think he, I think he was like laughing at it, and then he yeah. tweeted, and like even Karina next... McKenzie, like several mm-hmm. laughing emojis, yeah, yeah, journalists or other writers. One of the Legends writers tweeted about it. Tala Ash was liking people's tweets about it. Yeah, I'm like, what yeah, is Rose, y'all. Damian Holbrook, so was the one that said, I I saw that that one coming. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it seems like no one was really happy with what was going on so it happened that she was let go and i'm sure she wanted to be let go to begin with it sounds like there is someone uh, um i don't know who rob salem is it just says actor aggregator author professor playwright pundit media whore whatever but um he was like i have a scoop on ruby rose quitting batwoman apparently she was actually fired rumor has it she was generally loathed on set. Sociopathic narcissist was the phrase bandy- being bandied about. They put a happy face on it, but from what I hear, nobody will be sorry to see her go. Which is actually that's pretty harsh. So yeah, yeah. I mean it is harsh, and like everyone's, um, especially like her immediate castmates, have been very vague weird. about yeah, very vague about what's it. been going on. Like they didn't. You didn't get the like, oh, America Ferrera is leaving Superstore, and like, oh, we'll miss you so much, and she's been so great, and everybody just loves her. We got like, you know, this happened, and you know, I'll come back online soon, and type stuff. It was nothing directly about Ruby. Yeah, no, like personal farewells to her. And like, like I'm sure that she was difficult to work with because she was unhappy or like whatever you know was going on. But just like in her, not even to be like, no, I stand Ruby Rose, but defend her. But she obviously was put in a very difficult position. Like, not only I'm sure that going from a guest stint in a show like Orange is New Black to, like, full-time lead in an action show would already be a big change. Yeah. But but from very early on, she had that accident, you know, um, during a fight scene yeah. or whatever. She was nearly yeah. paralyzed. And yeah. then not, I mean, like, halfway through the season, a stunt woman died on the Batwoman set. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, that was obviously a very high-pressure environment, and obviously they're doing something wrong. <laughs> they shouldn't be having that many... <laughs> yeah, and I think like yeah. Zach uh, Zach Sins also had like a a pretty measured um, mm-hmm. view on it. You know that a lot of sometimes it's just like people they're not used to all that comes with being a lead on a series. Like Grant also had the same issue right. when he was like he couldn't really figure out how to be the lead of the Flash, and maybe Ruby just wasn't cut out for that kind of like she went from 
movies and you know that one little stint on Orange is the New Black to being having to work in Vancouver for nine months out of the year and it's not like uh, Grant or Melissa a lot of their characters superpowers are like superpowers like there's a lot of CGI involved which right. also yeah. yeah they have stunts and stuff but like Ruby's character is more a Katie or a Steven Arrow where you have stunt work every different episode like every episode you have to learn stunts and stuff like that and you know like Steven when he lost the show like his body like shut down on him because it's like what do we do now because he was just so used to like having to do that every week and learn something new every week so maybe you know she just that wasn't her deal yeah yeah and I don't know how much Ruby trained beforehand like how how physical she had been like I know she had like that role in John uh, Wick John Wick but like it wasn't like that's that like one, exactly. yeah. It's like one one fight scene for one movie. <laughs> right. So like, I don't know how much she's trained in general, but like, I do yeah. know that Stephen and Katie had trained a lot. Like, they were you know fighters, dancers, body people even before that. So um, so I don't know. I think it, I think it probably was a big adjustment for her. And again, like that doesn't excuse whatever her behavior was that that would make everyone turn against her like this. But I do think it puts into perspective that it was just like an unhappy situation for everyone all around. Yeah. Uh, so this is probably for the best, and I also hope that they get better precautions on set next year. Because again, I don't know what the fuck they're doing wrong, but it's something. And that's what's funny about that, or concerning really, is because they already had Arrow as a show, which was very stunt heavy. So you think right. like they would learn from that? Like what used to happen on that show can be translated easily onto Batwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I mean, it's all unfortunate in the, in the case of at least on screen. Like, we were just getting used to her being Kate Kane, and she, she was, was growing into, into the role. role. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the story was, like, moving along, and the cast, like, you know, seemed to have, like, good on-screen camaraderie or whatever. So it's just going to be weird seeing an entirely new person mm-hmm. in that I role for next mean, year. Like, like, it's just like a voiceover, like, the role of Kate Kane. Well, now you play Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> and I also... <laughs> We had like mm-hmm. an anonymous, like, well, you know, face changing is now seeing the scene, like face changing is a thing in the show, but I just don't know how they would do it like immediately, like right. because have... Alice, Alice wants her dead at this moment, so having her make a face for her sister doesn't really seem, you know, right. great. So I don't know if they're gonna find someone that looks similar to Ruby Rose and is also gay. And like one of the things that I thought, like when in all of the reports saying, you know, about her being let go. Um, they're like, you know, we're committed to hiring another LGBTQ actress. And I'm like, well, what about the Jewish part? Because right. that one wasn't like that box. Well, was that's not what's the first interesting time. because I was researching um, for a potential article, and it's like all of there's only so many out Jewish actresses too. Oh, mm-hmm. um, like the one that I could find that was a like well known to the American audience was like Evan Rachel Wood, and I think the rest were like israeli actors they were overseas you know okay. Um, so i don't know that's and obviously like that would be the ideal like her to be a lesbian and her to also be jewish but again like it doesn't seem like the writing is there either for it people need a campaign for this honestly if you're someone listening right now and you want like the next actress with that woman to be Jewish, you need to campaign for that. Because I saw several people saying, like, they're happy because now maybe an actor, Jewish actress will be cast. And I'm like, I promise you that her being Jewish is the farthest thing from their minds. Yeah. They do not yeah. care about that at all. You have to campaign for that. 
Yeah. Um, and they also have to like campaign to actually get maybe Jewish writers in the actual writing yeah, room if they nice. actually care for that. Right. So. That would be um, and like that's the thing too. Like, I mean, I really do hope they put more thought into this next casting because you know that Ruby Rose was cast by like being like lesbians. I know. And it'll be interesting too because I don't know how long, how far along. (laughs) Google search for hot lesbians. (laughs) (laughs) Ruby Rose, okay. (laughs) I don't even know how long they've known that she was leaving, so I don't know if they've maybe are have been looking and we just didn't know. Well, I mean, like if you know, if rumors are be start to be believed, they probably started looking like a while ago. Yeah. They may already know who's replacing her, and we just don't. <laughs> yep. I don't know. All right. Well, that's that on that. So next season, we will have a new Batwoman, but we will cap off this season of Batwoman with discussion of Batwoman, Supergirl, Stargirl, our new show, and Legends. We will discuss our likes, dislikes, and crown lady with gumption of the week. And to take it away is our lovely Jessica as your host. That was a nice segue, May. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Props. <laughs> So, on side A, we have Supergirl and Batwoman, Cost of Escape slash Trauma Bond. Starting over on Supergirl, Immortal Combat! Supergirl <laughs> realizes that in order to stop Lex and Leviathan, she must work with the one person she never thought she'd trust again, Lena, who is very, very sorry and very, very apologetic and wants to make it right, and Kara makes it kind of hard for her. Um, Nia keeps dreaming about Brainy. Brainy. Nia keeps dreaming about Brainy, even though she doesn't want to, and struggles with what the dreams are trying to tell her until it's almost too late. So, you know, speaking of trauma, yay for Nia, I guess. Um, Meanwhile, Brainy realizes that there's only one way to stop Lex, and he must do it alone, and he's probably going to die, and no one is going to be there except for the other Brainy that is going to stand by him and watch him die. David Harewood directed the episode. Oh, also in this episode, Danson got flirty. So, and William once again proved that he is a person with no flaws. Those cats are crying everywhere. They just want to be with this man. They do. Like he, you know, cats should be, they should make that a thing where cats just like follow him around wherever he goes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then also we got some sweet Martian love on this episode as well. So, <laughs> <Sounds so crazy>. <laughs> <laughs> David <laughs> David Harewood directed the episode, uh, story written by Derek Simon and teleplay by Emilio Ortego and Aldrich, Emilio Ortego Aldrich and Nikki Holcomb. So, what sparked joy for everybody? Oh well, I guess I'll go first since I've spoken the least. Ugh, the pressure. Um, <laughs> I'm very happy that um, we got to hear Lena apologizing, uh, recognizing she went too far, you know, in her lashing out at Kara after being hurt. And I was doubly happy that she was able to push past Kara's recriminations and stay focused on the task at hand in order to save the day, help Kara, et cetera, without being too, like, without bristling too much at the yelling that she was receiving. (laughs) Um, And also, I'm glad that Kara acknowledged by the end of the episode that, um, Lena had been helpful, that Lena did not betray her. Um, and so, like, now they can, you know, be on the same side next season, and hopefully we'll get to rebuild the friendship on screen. 
Also, I really liked um, Lena getting to save Gar's life with the anti-kryptonite suit, like, just in time. That was especially satisfying. Um, I feel like she's just been, she's, like, heroically saved the day, like, once a season with her brain since she's arrived. So, um, I'm glad that's continuing, and hopefully this is closes the chapter of, could Lena be evil? Like, we got it. Yes, she could kind of be evil, but she'll probably realize that was stupid and then come back. Done. No more. <laughs> um, also, um, like that we're starting Alex's own vigilante journey. So glad that it seems like we're getting rid of the DEO. That was sketchy as fuck in the beginning. Um, and it's nice also to see Alex acknowledge at the start of this journey that even with like her weird Green Lantern style weapon, she's still human and she feels human. She feels powerless in the face of aliens, in the face of metahumans and gods. She needs people like Kelly at her side supporting her. And also, you know, she's having to act as capable as capably as like people like John and Kara can when they are aliens with superpowers. So it'll be like a learning curve for her that will hopefully be interesting to watch. Um, and also in terms of uh, the growth of powers, Nia finally can see her powers again in on a large scale and her with Nagan's help letting bring dream Brainy in and finally learning the truth. Um, I love watching her powers grow. I love that it's through her that the Super Girl Squad realizes that Brainy never really left her side. And now Nia is the one rushing to be at his side. Because um, that's my OTP. And I cannot hear all y'all's whining over the sound of my winning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I am on your side. Also, um, I, I love Brainy, like, asking his other, the other Brainy to be there with him so that he doesn't die alone. Like, obviously, I'm not like, sparks joy, but it did spark tears. Um, Eva and Andrea, like, both being persuaded to either join or remain on the side of good instead of being worn down and blackmailed by Leviathan. Great to see. Um, glad that pep talks still work. Um, and that Andrea finally, you know, saw some reason, got to be, like, the uh, sensitive and empath- empathic girl that we have seen her be in the past that was randomly robbed from her in this year in this storyline where she's like no we don't need to do anything please open this stupid technology app um so yeah glad that's done um william once again being valiant and stalwart without being intrusive love to see it you use those five minutes of screen time to your best ability um thank you for not overpowering the storyline also um, loved Lena helping Kara conceal her identity from William, which is like, oh yeah, don't worry, Kara's safe. I saw her five minutes ago, just down the block, not here with me as Supergirl, because I'm like, hmm, this is what people were doing to you, Lena, and I'm glad you see that it is fine to do, apparently. So, <laughs> yay. Um, and just extra things. Kara screaming over Alex's suit, super cute. Um, Magan and John, super cute. I hope Magan stays. John saying Supergirl's pants chafe him when he is a girl. Great. Harry Potter, uh, Deathly Hallows, love it. <laughs> <laughs> and also the fact that we've got Lillian big batting for next season. Because um, she's smarter and better than Lex. Yeah. Even though he'll be there. And that's the end of that scene. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, yes, I we'll start with the shape-shifting Martians because that was great. And I love that, like... Nia's like, yeah, they're going all Harry Potter. And she's like, you know that those two characters die, right? <laughs> like, two of the characters die when they did that. <laughs> um, I really liked 
like I think Lena had a lot of strong moments and in the end through it everything she always comes through um and this episode really showcased that like her speech to Andrea her protecting both of her friends whom she's been at odds with all season at the exact same time was like really powerful to me um and it proved that you know even though sometimes Lena can get stuck trying to prove herself or get out of the shadow of her family or even like get stuck being so prideful and, and stubborn and angry that she is also very deeply loyal at the same time. Um, so I'm glad that that really came through uh, this episode and, you know, her providing protection over Kara's secret, even though, yes, you, that's, I guess, hypocritical considering what, like Tati said, what she's been mad at, but also proves that, you know, she's capable, like, it was in a way showing cars like, yes, I can keep your secret. See, <laughs> I am trustworthy. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> um, Alex I suiting like up. Was also like part of her like apology though. Like I understand now why you have to do this. And so I will help you do this mm-hmm. to keep innocent people, innocent little baby sheep like William safe from harm. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, speaking of William, I love that even though he was kidnapped and tortured by Eve, that he still wanted to call Kara and make sure that she was okay. <laughs> <laughs> even though this man had just been shot. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Just keep giving him brownie points, I guess. <laughs> Alex, We have up. to because no one else will. Yes, that's true. That's true. Um, Alex suiting up was really great. I love, you know, Kara's squeal as well. It was you know, a nice reminder. She's like, yes, these two are sisters and they're very close. And she's so excited that her sister's going out into the field. Are you still with like, her... reading my notes? <laughs> and, no, I'm looking, I'm looking at my own notes that I wrote down in my notebook. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, and her teaming up with Kelly to sneak into like, I think it was Obsidian was really great and fantastic. I need more flirting from them because it's amazing. Martian love, obviously. I feel like we're, we've all been like, super suspicious. Every time y'all say it, it's a sweet Martian loving. Oh, God. <laughs> I know we've all been like suspicious. We're like, hmm, my gun's back. Is there going to be something gonna, that's going to happen? Is she going to die? Like, what's going on? Um, but, you know, thankfully it ended before anything else could happen. <laughs> so that was really sweet of her and John to, you know, get their loving on. <laughs> Nia dreaming about Brainy and realizing like he needed help, even though it was at the very last minute, um, was really nice. It kind of just showcased her connection through her dreams and that it wasn't just that she was dreaming about Brainy because she thought he was betraying the team last week, but also because he was going to be in danger. Um, so I love that. <sighs> yeah, I think that is generally it. Sexy. Yeah. I like... I think this was definitely this episode of Supergirl and Batwoman were stronger unplanned finales than the Flash was. And there's a lot to be um, sparking joy in this episode. Like, for example, I like that it started out with, you know, um, Kara calling the team over and everyone's like freaking out, like, what's going on? And she's like, no, it's okay. It's okay. And calming everybody down. Um, John having to, you know, him actually dreading having to cosplay as Supergirl again was funny. Um, and then actually him and Nagan and, you know, you get like double Kara. It looks like a double stuff Oreo. You just get two cars for the price of one. 
Um, and then, like, Car like, squealing over Alex's costume reveal is, like, another, you know, oh, my God, what's going on? He's like, no, it's okay. <laughs> she has a costume now. So, like, I like those kind of, like, light moments um, in the beginning of the episode. Um, <laughs> William, <laughs> it's like, you know, even when he's been kidnapped and she has a gun in his face, he's like, are you okay, Eve? Like, he hurt you? <laughs> I can read, apparently, like, on top of his other, like, godly talents, he's also an expert at reading people, and he knows that she, <laughs> that she needs help and wants to save her. <laughs> it's hilarious to me. Um, Kara, you know, they're like, you, you can't leave from this spot, Kara, because the gods will find you in these kryptonite. And then William's trouble. She's like, well, you know what? Now I have to go. Um, and, like, even though he's been shot, he's like, is Kara okay? <laughs> just like, like, I don't know what's, what's, like, more funny to me, the fact that William doesn't actually do anything wrong or that the writers insist that he never does anything wrong by writing in, like, very obvious ways. Um, so uh, both of those spark joy. Cause it's just kind of funny at this point. Like he just, you know, he doesn't do anything. He has no flaws, zero flaws whatsoever. Um, I did like that. He got Eve to join the good side and um, not be afraid of Leviathan anymore. And um, that car was able to actually save her mother as opposed to when Lex said that he was going to do it. And then, not <laughs> um, dancing, flirting in the middle of a mission was really, really cute. Um, I like that, you know, Kelly was just like, she was supposed to be like focusing on her mission, but she was caught off guard by how hot Alex looked. Um, so that was just like really cute bit of, I don't know, domesticity in the middle of like <laughs> important critical mission. Um, I there's things that I liked about the super core side of it. I like Kara speaking truth to Lena um, because I feel like all season we've been, you know, saying these things about, you know, Kara's side of the situation. Um, And so I like that things were said, but I have other stuff about that later. But I also like that Lena took accountability for everything that she's done. She didn't shy away from it. She didn't try to, like, throw something back at Kara or, um, you know, to try to make herself look better. She took accountability for everything that happened. And she also stepped up. Even though Kara didn't necessarily want her help, she stepped up and she did what was right multiple times. Um, So it's not just, like, you know, Kara's, says no and and Lena is like well I give up she kept coming back um she saved Andrea and Kara at the same time um so I think that's one other thing that we didn't talk about like Kara's in like the virtual reality world and she's like message of hope to 2.5 billion people at the same time her power um so that I mean that was obviously great but like Lena in the real world is you know, like you said, Tati, like, both of these friends have done her wrong, and she's been mad at both of them for all season long, but both of them also need her help at this moment, and uh, she delivers, like, she stands up, and I think that's something, you know, when she's not in her head about being a Luther or, you know, 
trust issues, not having any friends or whatever. She actually, she's a very loyal friend. She's a very trustworthy, like she will stand up for her friends no matter what. She's a really good friend. Um, and she gives all of herself, I think, to her friends. Um, so that's, it's kind of like showing, you know, Lena's good side in that situation and, and why she, I think she is ultimately a good person. Like you said, like, I don't think after the season you can tease Lena being evil again because at the core of who she is, like, you know, she cares a lot about her friends and she is a good friend. So um glad that that's done. Um, I like seeing Megan Rath back, her and her acting with her brother. So I, I like their scenes together. Um, and then I liked also, I did like Megan's, Megan's speech to um, Nia to kind of help her push through her brainy dream block to kind of realize what was going on with him. Um, but I will also have more to say about that on the flip side. So why don't we go there? What did not spark joy? Well, what did not spark joy? Um, while I loved Kara getting to say her piece, uh, and I think she deserved to, uh, I was cringing because it's I, it feels so unlike Kara to be so mad for so long, even though so long was just one episode. Um, <laughs> and also um, because when she's saying, like, I was trying to protect you, I was like, okay, but you already previously admitted that you didn't just do it to protect her. You did it because you were afraid that when Lena disagrees with Supergirl, she would then stop being Kara's friend. So, like, it's like, all right, I guess. Um, also, um, it was just stressed me out. It was just stressed me out. Even though this is, like, hypocritical because, you know, Lena did not accept Kara's apology for a whole season. So I think it's okay that <laughs> Kara did not accept Lena's for one episode. But I still <laughs> hated it. I still was like, just say yes. Um, so anyway. Uh, also, uh, Kelly told Alex that she needed to wear a max- mask last episode and then this episode they had her in blue eyeshadow and they were like all right mask no mask yeah so i was like all right um but that's fine yeah also would have just liked more of kelly but what can you do um also hate that it took this long to have like focus on our growth for nia's powers um or you know nia at all since crisis um and seasons we cut short now so brainy's life hangs in the balance he and Nia don't get to smooth out the misunderstanding that was literally created for plot. Um, and, you know, I feel like if I were to, like, tally up Nia's screen time for the whole season, it would be, like, maybe 30 minutes. So I hate it here. Um, also... 25 of those minutes would be about Brainy. Yes. So. Yes. 25 of those minutes would be about Brainy. Um, also, I didn't think of this until this week. Um, but, like, it is very unfortunate that Supergirl's theme has been technology is evil, like, all season... <laughs> Uh, when we are in, like, don't, don't get lost in the VR. Why don't you step out to the real world? Um, when we can't do that. Um, we need technology because we are forced to socially distance from <laughs> our loved ones. I know this is not Supergirl's fault, but wow, talk about terrible timing. Um, so, yeah, and even though, yes, like, it's cool that Kara copy-pasted a hope speech to everyone in VR and made them turn around <laughs> and change, it was very cheesy. So, there cheesy. you go. <laughs> um, also... I was randomly hit with the sadness this episode that like Lena and Lillian had actually started building a relationship again um, in the first half of the season. And like they started to understand each other and like kind of team up every once in a while. 
Um, and now that can't happen because now Lillian is super evil. So I'm um, sad times. I hate it. That's all. Yeah. Um, I agree with all of this. Um, it is, I think what's frustrating for me is like the, in terms of the brainy thing, cause that's where I'll start is that they had him working with Lex all season and this, you know, him trying to save humanity without even telling anyone is super frustrating because it's like, he's just been on his own for so long for some reason, unable to tell anyone what he's doing. And then when it comes right down to it, he would have just like sacrificed himself and no one would have been any the wiser if it hadn't been for Nia. And that's like super frustrating for me. Um, And then Nia, like Tati said, you know, hasn't had that much screen time. So it, finally we're like we're getting her to do things and dream things and help out with her powers but it's again like you know it's it's about brainy and also she hasn't really had much of a story either like we could have seen her training more like jessica said last week you know a lot of times it's supposed to be played, played for laughs but you know she is sleeping all the time um so it just kind of sucks that she hasn't been able to grow as much as she could have if the writers had given her more time to shine um i understand car's anger what is annoying about car's anger in this instance is that we're like was it 20 episodes in and like why wasn't car angry (laughs) earlier i don't know um it's just like weird because just like we said last week you know she her body language was very you know, standoffish towards Lena when she was apologizing. And I felt like for most of this episode, it was, she had that same vibe going on. Um, Even though Lena was really trying very hard to see her side and tell her that she sees her side and be helpful. And I know that it can't be all done in one episode, but I don't know. I guess I felt like cut cut her some slack, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> look at us turning into lena apologists in the i know hour. after so long <laughs> but it's because like i feel Kara's feelings about the matter haven't really been as explored as lena's feelings on the matter if that makes sense like Kara often feels like a character who's in her show but really doesn't get as much get as much of a voice as some others um and in this case it's like she had an episode to be mad at Lena and understand why Lena was mad at her too. But then she could have spent some time like actually hashing out why, why does she did what she did and how Lena reacted to her and whatnot. And like more of her headspace versus like getting that anger now at the moment when it doesn't need to be happening in this dire moment. <laughs> what else? I don't know. I guess this is not necessarily a dislike, but I do wonder like, if Magan's going to come back next season and what's going on with her. Cause her reappearance was really random. Um, so yeah, I continue to be suspicious. It's like, Oh, your brother is not do- is doing such a good job. I don't need to be there anymore. <laughs> yeah. And this is like, okay, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's great. I love you, but, <laughs> um, 
and yeah, like I don't understand the show's issue with masks, to be honest. So I was really surprised about the makeup too, and I saw a lot of people like talking about it, and it's like it's I... funny because like the the suit is like magical, right? So it just like magically puts like blue eyeshadow on her. Yeah, like when did you have time to get ready? <laughs> How did you program that? <laughs> yeah, and especially since she's like a civilian, you know, Nia wears a mask. That makes sense. Kara, for some magical reason, no one can tell who she is, but then that shouldn't be the case for Alex. Um, so I don't know. It's a weird separation between her new superhero persona and her just as her regular self. So, um, and the whole VR thing, (laughs) I still hate it. And I hate the fact that like, it's, it was a major storyline this season and the Leviathan continued to be probably like some of the dumbest people I've ever seen. Um, Gemma continuing to trust Lex was beyond stupid. Um, it's just like they still have no concrete plan, and then we're supposed to like Gemma's supposed to be doing all this like for someone else who's higher than her, like a higher up um, that we have not met, and I do not personally care to meet. So it just like feels. I don't know. These villains are just very one-dimensional to me, and I would just like them to leave. <laughs> and it sucks too that, as much as you know, John Cryer has been really fun as Lex, but then we have to have him around for next season, probably as the big bad as well, because I don't think that that's going to be a storyline that's going to end within the next few episodes. Right. Yeah. Like, why? Like, I don't know. Superman and Lois happens before Supergirl comes back, so I guess Superman and Lois can't really take Lex. <laughs> <laughs> because it would be weird if he was on that show, and then a couple months later, he's also on Supergirl still. So, but yeah, yeah. I for me, like the whole thing about Lena and Kara. Like Lena took accountability for the downfall of their friendship. Kara didn't really take accountability for being a hypocrite <laughs> some of the time. And I feel like for me, like as much as I've wanted Kara to tell Lena about herself all season, it just feels a little bit like moot to get Kara's anger only after. Lena has already repented and asked for forgiveness. Like, I would have liked for them to just be, like, flat out fighting both of them, you know, over the course of the season. And then, like, Lena repents and Kara's like, I'm sorry, too. And that would have been, like, this episode. But it just feels like, you know, she's saying all these things. All these things are true things. But all these things are true things several episodes ago as well. And she didn't say any of that. So, you know, now that you finally have what you want is it really why are you like why are you angry now <laughs> kind of thing so um you know i the lena apologist but that yeah like it it just feels like wasted that lena has gotten to this point only for car to be like no thank you <laughs> so that's kind of how i felt about it um we still haven't really addressed Kara's moral superiority complex, and I don't really know how you would address that, because I think probably part of the fabric of the show is that she is morally superior, and yeah. <laughs> clearly Lena um, is not. So, yeah, that's just going to be like a, a thing in the show that they don't address, I guess. Um, I feel like that's often the case when you have a like, a hero or a character at the center of the show yeah. who is, like, the good person. They like always very, have to be right. 
Yeah. Barry's no kill rule ever. Right. I mean, like, yeah. and the thing is, like, Barry is one of those characters that's, like, moral superior, but then every once in a while the show is like, oh, Barry, you hypocrite, you did this. And yeah. then it's like, they really beat Barry down a lot. It's, it's awkward, <laughs> and everyone's like, this is real weird, I don't like it. It's like, like that's what would happen <laughs> if they tried to do that to Kara. Everyone would be like, this feels wrong. Something's wrong in this world. Make it yeah. stop. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, Brainy, like, his whole storyline this season has, like, frustrated me, and him potentially, like, sacrificing himself and dying alone after spending, like, half the season alienating himself, alienating himself from all his friends for, like, reasons... And then the poor salt on the wound, Lex acting like it was all part of his plan, like, all along for Brainy to do this is just, like, it does not spark any kind of joy. I, like, the whole thing, I said this, like, last week, like, Brainy, and he even said, like, I'm a 12th-level intellect. Like, how smart do the writers think that Lex actually is that a 12th-level intellect keeps getting duped by him this badly? Like, it doesn't really make any sense. And I feel like, with the whole Nia part of it, like, Nia is dreaming about Brainy and she doesn't want to because, you know, he broke up with her and all this kind of stuff. And then he's like, at the end of this episode, he's potentially dead somewhere, dying somewhere. And at the last possible second, she figures out that, Oh, he's in trouble. And so now, you know, it's hanging in the balance. Like Nia has to like rush to go see him. And I know like if this season had continued, she probably would have gotten to him like just in time. Um, but that's like a lot of potential trauma to put on Nia for something that's not even her fault. Brainy broke up with Nia. Brainy caused this situation himself. Why is it Nia's responsibility to dream Brainy, to save Brainy, and all this kind of stuff? Like, I feel like at the point where Brainy found out that Lex is not doing what he's supposed to be doing, and he's not on his side, and is clearly trying to help Leviathan, then... Brainy should have been like, fuck this plan. Let me go tell my friends what's really going on. Like, when Nia asked him what is going on, tell me the truth, you should have told him the truth because he already knew that Lex was not doing what he was supposed to do. So, like, why continue on with that plan when it only, like, alienates you further from your friends? It makes people hate you. Why would you continue doing that? And then why put it on Nia to have to be the only one to see Brainy dying and, you know, potentially have to go save him. Like, this just, I don't like any of that. (laughs) It's Brainy's fault. Brainy made his bed. Brainy should have also been the one to be like, listen, I'm sorry. Like, Lena made a mistake and she almost destroyed the world. And she came back and she was like, I'm sorry, I did this. I take accountability for it. Like, why couldn't there be a parallel with Brainy and Nia, you know? So I didn't like any of that. I don't like that Nia's, 90% of Nia's storyline this season, uh, especially the back half of the season, had to do with Brainy. And if the story was not about Brainy, then you did not see Nia. Um, Yeah. I don't like the whole Leviathan part with Gemma. I think Gemma's still, she's still continuing to be played by Lex and possibly interested in him. Like, I don't, I don't understand what that dynamic is and what's going on there, but it's weird. And I feel like, again, yeah, yeah, again, like Gemma is supposed to be a freaking God or a mortal or whatever. Why does she trust Lex this much? You know, every time I feel like maybe she could, you know, turn around and say like, you know, I'm playing him like Ramakan or whatever his name was. He is the deal. Like Lex is a human. Lex is just like 
the bottom of my shoe. But Gemma's like put so much trust in him and she thinks that she's right. And it's just like, right. Lex is not that great. He's not that great looking. He's, I don't know what's going on. Why is she like putting all this faith <laughs> in <laughs> this? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that either. I feel like. And it just makes Lex look like this guy because he can just manipulate all of these women all the time. And it just yeah. And he's face. not like, it's, it's, and he's, he's not like a player or like ladies man at, by any stretch of the imagination. So they just kind of like add all these things on to him to make him seem like he is better than he actually is um and it's it's weird that he sucks up so much space in this show um yeah i think that's most of my dislikes all that i can remember or care to talk about so um we had feedback for supergirl from shang kaya and suara i think uh yes we did Woo-hoo! so i'll start with kaya um she says uh, the finale was better than i expected considering everything leviathan everything leviathan is still a thing but what can we do can we talk about kara saying that all she ever did was make one mistake with lena i guess she was talking about a different person i can't believe we are stuck with william for another season he is the most boring <laughs> man to ever bore he's perfect <laughs> He has no flaws, Kaya. <laughs> <laughs> the cats love him, Kaya. <laughs> and worst part is that Kara doesn't even seem that interested in him. She ripped her shirt open and had no reaction to it. <laughs> Plus, after he was saved, she never mentioned him again. What kind of romance is this? That's true. I don't understand what kind of romance this is. They but have, like, th- one date where she... The attempt like, is being made. <laughs> yeah, Kara hit one pool ball, and they're like, okay, that's enough of that. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I'm not clear if they are dating. Are they? No. Kaya's unclear too. It's like, you know, Car is like, I don't have to go out, I don't have to go out, and then William's in trouble, so like I have to go out. So is that like a thing? Or, you know, is it not a thing? <laughs> they don't really they don't really seem to wanna clear clarify that one way or the other. Yeah. Says the season was not the best, so I hope the writers do better next season. But it was a pleasure to listen to you guys talk about it though. Until next time, love Kaya. Oh Kaya, thank you so much. We will still be here. Uh, then we have Suara's feedback Uh, Supergirl's quotation finale was overall adequate honestly the only part I was really invested in was everything Lena and Kara I loved them furthering the reconciliation by being fully honest with each other on why they did the things that they did while Kara's I lied to you to protect you is definitely an outdated trope I'm so glad that it was acknowledged to Lena and that Kara called Lena out for what she did, and Lena acknowledged her wrongdoing. This was incredibly cathartic, and I love these two and their, and their relationship. However, it is defined so very much. I think we have to talk about the fact that Kara convinced the Earth's population to stop their collective play of Animal Crossing to save the day. <laughs> because basically that's what this high-tech virtual reality is, Animal Crossing. <laughs> I also really liked Alex's new suit and her and Kelly helping save the day. The Leviathan Lex plot makes absolutely no sense. Uh, and Brainy's sacrifice kind of came too late after everything he did this season. Y'all were right. Nia's plotline this season is focused solely on him and their relationship it hasn't allowed much room for development. I hope they improve on this all next season. I hope so too. But at least Swara got his Lena redemption, as he says. <laughs> Bless. 
And then there is Shang, who gives lots of Supergirl feedback. Um, he says, was Lillian meant to be the final big bad? 13 reasons why finally ended so they actually could get Brenda on as the ongoing villain for season six. <laughs> and yeet Lex far away. <laughs> what, <laughs> what even is the cliffhanger anyway? Because the green dress melting to reveal Terminator Medusa had me all kinds of confused. Um Kara saying she was ready to accept Lena's apology. I would have just slapped her with a cactus. <laughs> Shame. Kara's readiness to move forward with Lena shouldn't have been about what Lena could offer. Being willingly, uh, being willing to cover for Lena and protect her and just doing good should never have been in question. Since Lena has always been ready to be part of the team and have saved their asses, has saved her asses every season finale. This is true. Um, anyway, Lena defending Kara, chef's kiss. Considering their tension really started from kryptonite and the damage it did to their relationship to have Lena protect Kara twice, the suit and standing in front of Andrea, my heart. Her putting her own body on the line, the symbolism of her being Kara's biggest strength in that moment. Oof. Kara having her biggest weakness, kryptonite in front of her and at the most vulnerable, but because of Lena, she wasn't weakened at all. Soulmate energy right there. Accurate. Thank you all, and of course, your all of your feedback will be on the Tumblr. I guess we can move into predictions, which I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't. There's not unless you. What do you want to see for next season? <laughs> there's nothing to predict now, or what would have happened if this season had continued? And coronavirus was not a uh-huh. thing. I would like to just say that I want to see Nia having her own storyline. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. relate it to existence. Manifest. Yeah. And I would I would like to have them explore Kara actually being in a relationship. I don't care if people hate it or not, but like I think it's ridiculous that this show has gone on six seasons and you know, I would like to see some sort of growth there since, you know, now that William exists. I, I would like them to continue doubling down on William not having any flaws. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious to me like every episode he, he is like the perfect person <laughs> let's keep let's keep missing to like a running thing on the show that you know William is perfect at everything I would love that, that would be hilarious yeah okay yeah and stronger villains I guess yes yeah stronger villains that are not necessarily Luthers moving on to Batwoman so when one of Gotham's former heroes returns to his old stomping ground to settle a score, which involves killing a lot of people, both Batwoman and Commander Kane find themselves on the defensive, both with the suspect and with each other. Meanwhile, Alice goes back to school to figure out how she can lay her hands on some kryptonite now that she knows that that's what can take down Batwoman, but she is losing hold on her henchman Mouse, who wants to leave the ghetto of the sewers and find his own Wonderland with or without her. And Hush is sending... Um, Alice spiraling into her most wicked self, um, which includes coming up with a plan to steal Kryptonite from Wayne Tower by giving Hush Bruce Wayne's face. Luke immediately focuses on finding a way to protect Batwoman from Alice, and Mary has a chance to be the sister Kate has needed all along, um, as if she was not that sister before. <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird way to put that. Synopsis person. New information surfaces forcing Julia to warn Sophie about Zafaya, who is pulling the strings. Um, and in a final standoff, when Commander Kane refuses to retreat from his war on Batwoman, Kate may find herself more heartbroken by her father's choices. 
uh, Commander Kane almost lost another daughter that day because he is an asshole. Amanda Tapping directed the episode written by Holly Henderson and Don Whitehead. What sparked joy? Oof, this was, I mean, it was an unintended finale, but it worked really well. Um, I really actually liked the fact that, first of all, <laughs> I mean, this was this was something minor, but the fact that Kate just showed up on the subway after Jacob, you know, tried to take out that guy. And I'm like, oh, my God, they actually ride together? <laughs> Family! <laughs> Crumbs! <laughs> but most especially, I really liked the fact that because Jacob's, we've been complaining about Jacob all season, it seems like. And we know that he's just a trash person and he has issues and all of these things. And the fact that Kate's realization that he's also not the man that she thought he was, was really well done and powerful in the sense that, you know, she's been holding out hope that one day she will be able to open up to her dad and tell her tell him that she's Batwoman and they can share something just as a father-daughter uh, given all that they both lost. And I really like the fact that she finally got to a point where, even if it was really sad, she got to a point where she realized that he's not, you know, she needs to take him off the pedestal of being this guy who's supposedly a protector and uh, a fair and just man because he clearly is not. Um, so that really hit her hard, and I think it was a really vulnerable moment for her, which we don't really get to see very often on the show. Um, and I also like that Kate, despite like all the police brutality that was going on in this um, episode that she tried to get through to, was his name Titan? Or was he on the Titans? I don't know. Um, I think he was a former Titan. I feel like yeah, his name definitely started with a T. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember, but the um, football player turned guess villain um that she like tried to get through to him with her words instead of like beating him to a pulp which you know we've seen her do before (laughs) um and it was like right before she saw what the quotes could do as well um and i just feel like it speaks to her growth too because we've seen her try not to like protect gotham give gotham hope we've also seen her kill someone but here she was trying to like not do those those things that she's done before um mouse wanting to leave gotham city was quite logical and the fact that he he's kind of been really rational these last few episodes and it's been really interesting to watch him grow in the sense that like for him leaving wonderland behind meant leaving gotham leaving the his dad behind and the memories of his dad and everything that had happened to them and going with Alice, but also lead being growing to the point where he could leave without her too. Mm. Um, like Alice for Alice leaving Wonderland meant letting mouse go because she has a deep attachment issues or she can't stand the idea of being abandoned. Um, so it was really interesting to see like their dynamic and how, they've grown apart in a lot of ways, but also how like what their tea party or leaving Wonderland to them meant in terms of like severing that connection. Um, So for her, it was like literally killing off mouse. And as tragic as that was, I think that that scene was just really emotional. Like I got teary watching her recite the words from the book to him as he was dying. Um, And of course, like Kate opening up to Luke and Mary about kryptonite, 
the fact that she's really letting them in and they're be- truly becoming her bat team, her bat family. Um, and then also holding on to the kryptonite, knowing that Kara made her promise to keep it in case something happened and she needed to use it. So I really like that there was that connection to crisis as well. Um, Mary and Luke teaming up, of course, to destroy the kryptonite, even though Mary was the one coming up with the ideas. <laughs> She's like, use Thor's hammers. She didn't say that, but, you know, a hammer. <laughs> um, and, of course, like Mary putting herself in the line of fire um, to go up against her dad and finally make him, like, see some sense in defense of Batwoman and Kate. Um, and also, like, I love her line about how, you know, if she can't see hope in him or, like, what he's doing and understand what he's doing, then how can the city of Gotham trust in him and the crows and, and what they're doing too. So I thought that was really powerful. And of yeah, course, like, and it went right over his head. Yep. Sure did. <laughs> uh, and I also love the Sophie and Julia moment, even though, you know, there wasn't enough of them and obviously never enough Sophie, but like the moment where Sophie tells her that she's just a little bit insecure about everything because she's just not used to being out with a woman. Um, but then that turned into a, like a conversation of Julia sorting, sort of opening up to her, to tell her about Sophia and I thought that was really good because I didn't like Sophie's been left in the dark. So I'm glad that somebody's opening up to her about something and she's going to be you know, a part of the ongoing storyline next season because, you know, I assume Sophia is the villain and that's all. Um, yeah. I really like uh, the um, Sophie and Julia getting to fight in each other. It's nice that Sophie has someone that she can talk to right now. Um, also, I, stealing this from sci-fi wire but it's very true like kate's pain over not being able to talk to to jacob about the fact she's batwoman and her realization that like let's say like even if he found out that it was her his daughter and then he was like okay i guess i won't kill batwoman because you are my daughter she has still already (laughs) seen him wanting to kill batwoman and trying to kill batwoman but like how can she trust him again you know um is very like it feels very similar to a story in which you know kids being afraid to come out to their parents because they've already seen their parents be homophobic and no, so I think it's yeah, really yeah. written like like you can like sort of like you see that parallel and also you know the writer's room in this case is in fact um, full of people who can relate to that. So it's like a nice, you know, like it's a well-handled storyline. I think it was well-played by Batwoman. Um, and and that ties back to the Sophie and Julia conversation because when they have conversations like this, you know, like when you see Sophie opening up about that, you can also tell like it's written by someone who knows that experience. Mm-hmm. Um. So in that sense, that woman um, is doing a really good job. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Also, um, I loved Mary trying to facilitate um, the communication between Jacob and Batwoman and having Kate's back when it didn't work out, comforting her when they both saw that she couldn't be reasoned with, admitting that like she also thought that it would be different. Um, so yeah, love their sisterly bond. I'm so glad that they're like on the same page and they're like getting to spend all this time together now and really, really bond. Um, also, I do appreciate that Jacob treated Mary like his daughter and like he was worried. Like, and when he got really mad when he saw that like Batwoman was using Mary and he got mad at his dudes for like almost shooting Mary, etc. Right? I was like, yes, he remembers at least one of his daughters at any given time. Success! Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Alice killing Mouse to protect her own agenda. Ah! It was incredibly tragic, obviously. It was a beautifully written scene, it was beautifully acted, and also it just like cements the like super tragic not even love triangle like family triangle whatever you want to call it right like alice's feelings 
about Kate are Miles' feelings about Alice. And then Alice, like, takes out her aggression towards, or, like, her feelings about Kate on Mouse. So then Mouse ends up being, like, even though all he ever wanted was, like, to be a unit with Alice, right? To get out of the abusive situation they were in and then just, like, be Alice's family. Alice was never going to let go of Kate as her family, whether Mm -hmm. it's rage, whether it's, you know, love or whatever it is, right? She's always going to put whatever her needs are with Kate in that moment above whatever her needs are or whatever her Mouse's needs are with her. So this results in her killing Mouse so that Mouse can't put himself first, right? Because Mouse is going to leave. And Mouse Mm -hmm. leaving is, like, being abandoned by Kate all over again. So she'll just kill him. Just like she's gonna gonna kill Kate, which of course she will not. Um, so uh, very sad and um, horrible, but also very well done. Uh, blah 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 blah. Okay, oh yes. Um, also, um, Alice giving Tommy Bruce Wayne sexy face. We knew this was gonna happen. Oh yes, us. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> the most Such important big part thing. Of the episode. <laughs> yes. Um, it was a foregone conclusion, of course. But this is, like, an exciting realm of possibilities, right? Not only are we going to finally see how the world interacts with Bruce, even though it's fake Bruce, we're going to see, hopefully, even, you know, like, Kate, Luke, etc. Everyone interacts with, with um, fake Bruce, but also it's a way to keep Alice on the show even longer, right? Because, like, it's just easy to be like, okay, well, Sophia, Sophia can take Alice out, or, like, okay, well, Jacob, you know, want to take Alice out, or whatever. Alice, as a, as a villain, can only last so long. So it's good that they are incorporating new ways for it to last longer and hopefully not go the route of uh, Tobias on Black Lightning. So keep her relevant and also keep her uh, exciting because so far she has been like the most complex and um, significant part of Batwoman, the show. Um, also, uh, Kate may be talking to Kara about Kryptonite. Woo! Crossover friendship! Um, and Luke squashing the kryptonite um even though like they don't realize how much kryptonite there is in this universe yet so that'll be fun <laughs> to realize but like of course luke again being a brilliant genius man there is no batwoman without luke fox um i was about to say luke west but yes there he is <laughs> um so go luke we love you the end i thought that was really cute that luke thinks that they have the only remaining source of kryptonite yeah. in the multiverse <laughs> <laughs> like, meanwhile oh, okay. on batwoman She's like ramakhan Ramakhan, like, shook the tree in the D.E.O. and, like, tons of kryptonite fell out. <laughs> that was, that was, that's cute. That's cute, Luke. <laughs> but I, I also like that Mary came up with the actual solution. Like, she always comes up, people, like, underestimate her so much within the show, but she comes up with, like, the most ingenious ideas. Like, you know, like, when you're working on something, if you, like, look at a problem too hard, you think about it too hard, you get in your head about it, and you just don't know what it is, but then, um, someone's like well why don't you try this and then that's the thing that works it kind of reminds me of um they do this um a lot of like workshops do this kind of test um it's like the marshmallow test or whatever you get like spaghetti and some string and like a little bit of tape and a marshmallow and your job is to um create the tallest standing structure with the marshmallow on top and whoever does that wins the thing and so you have all of these like grown-ass adults trying to like figure out how to make the most complicated sound structure out of like spaghetti and string and then when everyone finishes it's like well you know the tallest structure was made actually by a bunch of five-year-olds and this stuff because they they don't really like spend a lot of time like doing all this kind of stuff um so and I, I feel like that is you know 
in these superhero shows, like a lot of the fans are like, well, she's not STEM. She's not da 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 da. She's not in science. So she shouldn't know what she's talking about. But the ones, like the civilians, quote unquote civilians of the teams, are the ones that come up with like the best ideas. So, you know, stand Mary for clear skin. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alice going back to college. I liked her college look, it was really cute. Um, that's all I got to say about that. That just sparked joy, seeing her pretend to be a college kid. Um, the scene of Alice and Mouse and the whole Wonderland, the trauma bond thing, was really beautifully written and, and acted and just tragically sad. I agree with what both you guys said. Um, it's kind of like in this season, you've had – it's like a double triangle because you have um, – Kate, Alice, and Mary on one side, and then you have Kate, Alice, and Mouse on the other side, and both, like, Mouse and Mary are trying to be the the person that their respective, quote-unquote, sisters need, um, and always feeling second to the other twin. Um, and over time, over the course of the season, Mary and Kate Spawn has gotten a lot stronger and um, now, you, especially you can see that in this episode, it kind of like it's peak at the same time that Alice and Mouse's bond has gotten a lot weaker over the course of the season. And he could feel that slipping away. At first, I can't remember. Like in the beginning, we thought like Mouse was the secret evil genius, like manipulating Alice maybe. But it's it's not that way at all. And I think the more that we saw his kind of story unfold and what Wonderland meant to him and like the security and how he felt being at Arkham and just like enjoying life without the abuse of his father. Um, all of that, you kind of see what it means to him. And then it kind of seeing what security means to him and seeing what Alice's version of Wonderland is and how she's so fixated on, the life that she used to have and you can kind of see how they were never going to be able to go off together and like have the happy ending that mouse wants. Um, so it like watching it and watching her talk to him about like Wonderland and like escaping and, you know, reading the book together. And then like, you know, the way she was talking is turning really sad. I'm like, Oh my God, like, wait a minute. <laughs> is she doing what I think she's doing? <laughs> And then, like, his nose starts bleeding. You're like, oh, my God. And you kind of, you really do see, like, Alice's, like, true descent into madness. Like, um, how far down into the rabbit hole or whatever that she's actually going. And so that's, I think that's a really powerful scene for Alice as a character. And, um, you know, have, having her be, continue to be a part of Batwoman, um, like, Alice has been, like, a villain, like, this whole season, but I feel like her true villain origin story started, like, when she killed Mouse. Yeah. Um, so that is going to be really interesting to see where that takes her, um, especially when it hits her that Mouse is no longer there. Um, so that's, that's going to be really interesting. Um, she continues to be, like, one of the most interesting characters on the show. Um, Sophie talking to Julia about her insecurities and, like, being her first, like, out lesbian relationship was also really, really good teen. Um, I feel like they kind of had to like gloss their way into it because Sophie was suspicious of Julia and I don't really know why 
because she was not a part of the whole you're hiding something from me last week. Um, but I do like that it got, you know, she they used that to kind of be like, you know, my sorry, my insecurities are jumping out because it's my first relationship. I don't want to like fall apart. And then that leads to Julia kind of um, reassuring her and, and letting her in, which is something that she's not getting from Kate at the moment they have always every time that they come together there's always something that's hidden whether it's Sophie being in the closet or Kate being that woman and so they're not really connecting like that um and that's something that she is getting from Julia at the moment um so that scene was really nice the reveal of Bruce Wayne loved it (laughs) I've been waiting for that I've been waiting for like to see what CW's take on Bruce Wayne would be ever since um, Alice promised Hush a face. And I think, like, they talked to uh, Caroline Dries after the episode about, you know, how did you get Bruce Wayne? And she's like, well, one of the, she never imagined them having Bruce Wayne on the show because that, you know, WB would hold on to Batman with death grips. <laughs> um, so it's a, a nice way of getting Batman without it being Batman because it's fake Batman and Warren Christie, like his, like the scene where they reveal the face, he's in the sewer. So it's kind of dark, but Warren Christie is the actor's name. You can look him up. He is hot and he is like, like six foot or six foot one. So he passes my bat requirements perfectly. Um, and then finally, yeah, well, I guess full circle, Mary and um, Kate's conversation at the end, I think you, you summed it up pretty nice, or Sci-Fi Wire summed it up really, really nicely about um, the significance hey, of I sucked up what Sci-Fi Wire said, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you interpreted their words beautifully, Tati. Um, that's something that I didn't really think that, deeply about when I saw the scene but like when he repeated what he said <laughs> I'm like yeah that actually does make a lot of sense and it adds like a lot of depth to a lot more depth um, to that scene than was already there so that's nice um, what did not spark joy? Jacob Jacob, <laughs> Jacob and the crows um, this is for Jacob <laughs> There's a whole storyline about wanting to gun down Batwoman and get rid of her. It's just like, sir, do you not realize that you are killing someone? Even if you think that she's breaking the law, you are still trying to kill her. That would make you a murderer. Um, so that whole storyline, like, I just don't get it. I can't understand why he's so adamant about finding Batwoman, taking her down blah 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 reasons 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 I don't care because they make no sense and then obviously like the whole police brutality of it all because you had this man in the field and you just shot him a bajillion times that is nonsense um, and in, just in general like it speaks to everything they've been doing this whole season to be honest and I, I just wish by the end of it when they got she got into a fight when Sophie got into a fight with Jacob I was like you need to quit you need to quit you need to go start your own company (laughs) because that was just I hated I hated all of it um I even hate that I mean 
I got some parts of what they were trying to do with this week's, you know, quote unquote villain. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. On one hand, I'm like, yes, you know, sports because people do get injuries and they just keep hiding it because they just want you to keep the game. You are a hot commodity. You are not a person. You are just a thing that is making the money. And then on the other hand, I'm just like, oh, they had to go and like murder him, which is not a good look. Um, so hated that part. And then Kate's this is slight, but like Kate's, you don't know my dad to marry as if like she's not also his daughter and hasn't been living with him for several years. Kind of just makes her feel like more of an outcast, even though she's also part of the family. So that did not spark joy. Um, but yeah, I mean, just Jacob and the crows, man. It's terrible. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> that is all. I support your hate. Um, I, too, hate Jacob and everything that he stands for and everything in his storyline in this episode. Um, and just recently, in general. Like, overall, I hated the villain plot of the episode. Like, I totally agree with you about the sports thing. Like, yes, this is, you know, not just in sports, but in general, like, celebrities or athletes or anyone in the public eye who is viewed as an object and not as a person, right? Who is viewed for their monetary value and not for their, like, personal contributions is a terrible thing and something that we should, you know, avoid. But the way they did the storyline, like, they didn't really give him... Like, just having the brother say, like, all these things about him. Like, oh, he used to be cool. He was a nice He's boy. Walk kids to the bus yeah, stop. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Okay. <laughs> I, bet, cool. I bet William walks kids to the bus stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. With the next, cats. Next season, <laughs> <laughs> still ever William walking kids to the bus stop with the cats falling along. But, um, but anyway, like, so, so there's that. But then, like. It's, he's totally dehumanized in this episode. And then, like, Jacob was the one that killed him, right? Jacob, like, shot him. And I was like, this is such a, like, Jacob just looks like a racist cop gunning down a black man for no reason. Um, like, we couldn't have just taken him in? Whatever. Hated it. And then also the fact that the brother died. Like, why couldn't we save the brother? So that he <laughs> did, did he die like, or was he just he paralyzed? Died. No, I think oh, he, he died. died. Oh, wait, no, wait. Maybe he, he, par- he, he, right, maybe he was paralyzed. Because I think they did actually say something about it. Because he said they took, he took away from him what yeah. he yeah, so I think yeah, just... I think I think he didn't die. You're right. Yeah. I remember now in retrospect that there was like a little like news announcement saying like he did, and then the brother is you know his career is gone. His brother also had a career like that, right? Like his brother is also a football player. Yeah, yeah. so it's just like his career is over because he can't like walk anymore or whatever. But either way, he or, no longer... <laughs> his career could be over because he's dead. <laughs> no, I think he's alive. But either way, I would have liked. Supergirl. I would have liked, yeah, I would have liked Supergirl to come in and save him. But I would have liked that woman to be able to save him, but I'm mad that she wasn't able to. Hated that. But yeah, overall, like, you guys are totally right. Like, Jacob's vendetta against Batwoman looks so petty and obviously just, like, bloodthirsty and awful. Like, why is he so mad that Batwoman's out there doing what he is basically also doing? Like, why is he allowed to act like a police officer with his own little private police force? Um, and Batwoman's not. Like, mm-hmm. what's the difference? You're both private, you know, private, basically, vigilante organizations. So, yeah, it makes no sense that he's so desperate to get rid of Batwoman. If he was literally the police, like, the, the commissioner of, of Gotham, that would make slightly more sense. But yeah. he is not. So, he just looks like he's trying to take out the competition, and it's really fucked up. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, uh, Sophie, um, even though she has a nice moment with 
Julia. I really like I, she's just been sidelined until the end of the season, and like that may not have been the case. Maybe she would have gotten more to do in the next two episodes, but we don't get this in the next two episodes, so we don't know. Um, and that's really unfortunate. I don't like it, but that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, like the football made him crazy thing. Which, you know, I, I feel like I, I they're trying to, to do, like, you know, like, a, a lot of football players have head injuries in, um, during the game, and then when they later on go on to, like, commit suicide, and then, you know, the autopsy of the brain reveals football injuries is what led to them going to that route. But I feel like here, it kind of flows off of my notes from last week about it being a little bit unsavory that there's a fight in Arkham and Arkham has all these, like, is a mental asylum, so there's all these mental patients, so it's, like, crazy people. Um, he, he was, like, very methodical on the people he chose to execute. Like, he didn't go around with machetes just, like, killing random people on trains. He had specific people, so it's kind of like football made him crazy, but not too crazy because he still had very you know, clear things on who he wanted to go after and execute. So it's, it, it, it kind of like walks like a line, I guess. And um, I agree with like the whole, uh, what they were trying to go for with the whole, like, you know, being seen as like an object and, and not a person. Um, but I also felt that trying to also add mental illness on top of that was, I don't know. I don't think it, it hit all the right notes i guess um i also didn't like the fact that kate couldn't save the brother um it just felt like it was one like the first times that you see her not win so you know you always want your superheroes to win but in that moment that she couldn't save him um she couldn't save the brother and she couldn't save the the guy um jacob kane the whole scene of, you know, when Mary tries to lure him to, like, the, the rooftop and the crows almost shoot her. And, and um, I thought that speech with, with Mary to Jacob was really powerful. You know, like, if, you know, I believe in her dad and, and you know, what you're doing is wrong. And if I can't believe in you, then how is the city going to believe in you? And he just kind of, it just went like right over his head. And I, it was really shocking. Like not only did he shoot to kill the guy instead of taking him back to Arkham so he could serve his time for the additional people that he murdered, he betrayed Batwoman and ordered his men to shoot to kill her. And it's like he's playing executioner. Like you can't even, there's no way to turn that into a good thing like he they came out they were shooting they were like it was like their own vigilante force they're using like uh lethal force to kill people i don't understand he was planning on murdering that woman in cold blood uh she hasn't committed a crime other than being a vigilante like she hasn't like killed anybody but he was planning on murdering her and i don't really understand how he thinks that he could be viewed as the good guy um it's I don't know. I don't, there's, he's done nothing this season that would make me think that he's a good person. Um, so I don't really understand his motivations, why he hates Batwoman so much. Um, 
and I hate him so much. I really do. <laughs> we had feedback for this episode from Shane. What did Shane have to say? Did have. He says, I know a lot of people would want a Batgirl sidekick kind of thing for Kate, but my unpopular opinion is Damien. Talia coming searching for him, for Bruce and then telling Kate, here's your little cousin. Have fun. I don't think I would mind post-crisis rewriting the Batman villains that Arrow used badly and putting them on the show. Um, the way we could have had a crossover where Alice kidnaps Lena after learning she knows how to make kryptonite and Kara having to work with Kate, but Batwoman is supposedly having a crossover with Superman instead, I can never win. <laughs> Um, best improved goes to the show. I'm glad I stuck through it. Seven out of ten. Party moves and wine popping. Not bothered that Ruby isn't coming back. God is on my side because it's CW. Second chance to cast a Jewish lesbian actress. <laughs> yes, it is definitely the most improved. I agree with that. Yeah. And that I is think, that on that. Do we have any predictions? What would have happened if this season continued, or what you want to see for next season? I don't have any predictions, but I was reading an interesting interview with Caroline Drys about, like, what's next for Hush. I mean, this came out before, like, the day after the finale and right before the news. (laughs) But basically, like, how he's going to face challenges being Bruce, because even though he has his face, it seems like, you know, he can't, he has to get the mannerisms and everything down, you know, otherwise. I feel like he, you know, any good stand should know. <laughs> <laughs> but as, as underneath all of that, like he's he's not Bruce. Like his personality is just like the opposite. So yeah. Yeah, I can see how that could be a challenge for him. Yeah. And beyond that, I'm just interested in seeing where this apparent love triangle with Mary, Luke, and some unknown yeah, who is the going unknown to play person? out. They didn't oh. say. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm like, who is this bad person? Watch yeah. it be Bruce. Oh my god. <laughs> my step cousin who is not actually my step cousin. It is actually Hush. Because <laughs> I'm like, we don't even have other, like. So, do characters. you think it would be something fighting someone, the third person would be someone fighting Luke for Mary's attention? That's what or... I was expecting. Yeah. Okay. I didn't even think about it. I mean, like, it could obviously be someone fighting Mary for Luke's attention. I feel like but... that would be the more interesting way to go would it because <laughs> i don't think i don't think luke would fight for mary at this point well that's why it's not interesting because i'm like would luke do anything <laughs> well i would be i would but definitely like if there was like another girl that was interested in in mm-hmm. luke because he's like totally oblivious i feel like like mary having to fight attention for uh, luke would be more interesting. they're both trying to get his attention and he doesn't know what's going on at all he doesn't even care yes <laughs> yeah okay, okay. Yes. Plus, love like, triangles really tend to be with two guys and a girl, so it'd be fun to have Luke be the, the guy and the yeah. two girls. Hey, all right, I'll, just, I'll take it, I'll take it. <laughs> um, what was I going to say about it? I, I mean, I, I, I think that with Sophia coming and being, like, the bigger bad, even though Alice is also <laughs> being bigger and badder than ever with having killed Mouse, I'm sure that somehow it'll wind up with either um, Kate or Jacob saving Alice from Sophia. And then that'll like restart the the loop again. I'm like, oh, maybe they love me, and it's like, no, they don't love me. I'm gonna be evil again. <laughs> I figure I figure that whether Alice tells him or he finds out on his own, Jacob will figure out that he needs kryptonite to pierce the bat suit, and then Kate will have to have both her dad and her sister after her. Um, it's possible. I feel like it would take some stretching because Alice hates Jacob as much as I do. 
but it's possible that Jacob could make a deal with Alice to kill Batwoman, which Alice would probably be up for since she could kill Kate and then have the double bonus of revealing to Jacob that he is responsible for killing his other daughter. Like, you killed two daughters, daddy! Like, oh I feel like she would, she would <laughs> love to do that. So I think, yeah, I definitely from this episode and him wanting to actually kill Batwoman and the fact that Alice knows how to kill Batwoman, that is somehow going to come into play or would have come into play this season and maybe come into play next season. So, yeah. Do we have Lady with Gumption nominees for side A? Definitely Lena. Uh-huh. Side for Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And either Mary for, like, trying to, you know, stand up in front of everyone or just uh, Kate for trying to make that, trying to make her dad see reason. Mm-hmm. Not, not Alice for killing her well, well, Alice did indeed have the gumption to kill her only confidant and the only person who's been there for her this whole time, sure. The only the last piece of her humanity. Yep. Um, <laughs> what do you think, May? Who should we give it to on Batwoman? I don't know. I think... I'm going to go with Mary because it's really hard to stand up to a parent and make them see sense, especially with someone as stubborn as Jacob. Um, and also, like, she was put in a situation where she was kind of in the middle of her family. Hmm. So I will okay. give it to Mary. Okay, okay. I feel like Alice is, is good, like, a good choice, but she also had, like, that just one, that one scene. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so, tabling that for now, we're going to move over to side B. Supergirl, or Supergirl, Stargirl, and Legends. American Dream slash Taking the Scenic Route. Why over... isn't it Star Woman? Or Star Not a Girl? <laughs> literally a girl. <laughs> she is literally 12. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when Courtney's seemingly perfect life Seemingly perfect life in Los Angeles gets upended with a move to Blue Valley. Um, her mo- <laughs> with her mother Barbara and stepfather Pat and stepbrother Mike, she finds herself struggling to adapt to her new town and new high school. There's all these new people. I don't know them. I'm not feeling uncomfortable. Um, but when Courtney discovers that Pat is harboring a major secret about his past, um, that major secret being that he used to wear stripes and went by the name Stripey and was part of a secret justice society. Um, but he's not in any of the photos because he was only the sidekick. She ultimately becomes the unlikely inspiration for a new generation of superheroes that we have yet to meet. This pilot episode was directed by Glenn Winter and written by Jeff Johns, who also created Stargirl. So... It only makes sense that he writes a pilot for this new series. What sparked joy? First. How do you feel about this new show? I have to admit that I did not look up anything prior to the pilot. I didn't, you know, no news about Stargirl had crossed my mind. I hadn't even watched really the promos, I think. Um, Because I had no idea that Luke Wilson was in. So when he showed up, I was like, oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> and he then ended up being like one of my favorite parts of the pilot. Like I, I think he's just like such a nice guy. Like it's fun to see him like trying to be a dad to Courtney, and like not being deterred every time that she just like pushes him away, um, and also trying to keep his own son in line. No, 
his or her brother. It's his son, right? Who's it's... child is this? No, it's her the, brother. The so then yeah. for, for both of them. For both of them. Like, trying to keep... No, no, no. Like... The, the son is his. Oh, so it is his. Yeah. Okay. Okay, no, so... because... See, that's what I was confused about, because I thought her that mother, too, but then later on... Her stepfather and her stepbrother. <laughs> oh. There we go. Well, See, it was still confusing in the show. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't clear in the show, but it was clear. It's clear in his mouth. I mean, I think I knew it when I was watching, and then I just like lost it. Yeah, I, I lost it. But either way, the point is that he's such a good dad that you can't tell which one is his child because he's trying to be as dad as possible to both of them. So great. Um, but yeah, he's like a really nice guy. I really liked his dynamic with Courtney's mom, and also I think it's fun that we're gonna seeing that developing mentorship between him and Courtney and like Courtney like finding out that he was a sidekick and now she has the power of the staff and probably needs his guidance makes her more amenable to him and I also loved how she was like I don't like that you're lying to my mom however because I will be lying to my mom I will keep your lies (laughs) and together we will be liars so um that was cute Someone responded and they're like, I thought that was really condescending. And I was like, who was being, I didn't even ask who's being, I guess they meant Courtney, but Courtney's like a 16 year old girl who's mad that she had to leave Los Angeles. So, of course, she's condescending. I wouldn't have, you know, I didn't realize she was in Los Angeles previously. But now that I know, I'm like, well, duh, of course she's upset. Who wants to go to Blue Valley, Kansas or whatever? Nebraska. Nebraska, even worse. After Los Angeles. So, so yeah, I like that. I really liked, someone told me her name, and I already forgot, I suck. Is her name Hope or something? The girl at the table with the glasses that was, like, introducing the loser's table to Courtney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love her already. I want that to be a friend, best friendship. They seem great. I think um, it is the best friendship, or it's supposed to be. Yeah. It will, it will so, be. So that was really cute, that one scene. <laughs> um, and, like, I like that they leaned into just how cheesy the names, the costumes, everything was, you know? And that Courtney, like called it out for being cheesy like his name is stripesy like mm, striking fear into the hearts of villains everywhere um so so yeah i like that it's like self-aware about how silly it is um the second that i mean i think that courtney was a very believable teenager and she wasn't like overboard in her like obnoxiousness she was just like just the right amount of obnoxious <laughs> for a teenager who's been forced to move across the country after her mother's remarriage um also <laughs> I like I like when Pat was like, no, Starman is not your father. That will be so horrible in so many ways. Um, but I like, like, like they put out the possibility like from the very beginning and then like smacked it down. Like hopefully it's not the case, even though that picture did look a lot like Joel McHale. McHale but I don't think it is. It doesn't seem very likely. But but they presented it instead of like keeping it like as like a hidden like 13th hour. Like, haha, this is why Starman is your father. Um, so yay for that. What else? What else in my life? Um, I, I really like the look of it. I like that it feel, looks and feels different from the other DCPE shows. It has not only, like, I guess, whatever the DCU budget is, it has a bigger budget, clearly, uh, and it was used better than Titan's budget. Um, but also, it's definitely filmed somewhere else, right? It's not filmed in Vancouver. I don't know where it's filmed. I don't know where it's filmed, but they did use uh, the visual concepts that they've been doing for the actual dc movies right and i think the person who built the suit or the company that built the suit for um pat was the same people who did the iron man suit oh nice so yeah so everything looked really cool um and different so it, it feels like not like you're not just seeing variations on the same theme like it can feel with all the other dc tv shows um so yeah overall i mean like i had a good time i wasn't like 
I have access to future episodes and I didn't feel like I needed to watch more yet, but I am looking forward to when I do watch more. So there you go. Nice. Yeah. I think my favorite part about the whole pilot was the dynamic between um, Pat and uh, Courtney, because I feel like if that didn't really exist, then it would just kind of be another superhero-esque show um i mean it was it was very different from the other errors pilots i will say that and like i just love their team up like she clearly doesn't want to have a stepdad she doesn't she's like missy from bring it on she's like i travel i transferred from los angeles your school has no gymnastics team this is a last resort (laughs) so so she was very that person um she did not want to be there she used to be on the gymnastics team the school doesn't have one (laughs) and they're trying to put her in cheerleading (laughs) yeah bring it on oh my gosh so I had that kind of vibe to it. You know, like Tati said, she was just the right kind of teenage um, nuisance <laughs> that uh, is acceptable without being completely over the top and ridiculous. Um, and I really like the actress playing her, too. I think that she brought some a real really good balance um, in, you know, being this person who clearly loves her mom and, you know, is attempting to try for her to to be close to pat but like the closeness with pat is only there because she discovers this cool new staff and that he was used to be part of the justice society of america or whatever or supposedly part of the justice society of america um speaking of i really like how they introduced all of the members in like that opening sequence with the, the fight scene with the injustice society and um what's his face popsicle uh, which is ice Yes. I don't Did know. Is it Popsicle? Yeah, I it's think so. The ice guy is Icicle. Icicle. Popsicle, Icicle. You know, f- fun, weird names <laughs> <laughs> that they also poked fun of on the show. Um, was really cool to watch. And, you know, I was really surprised to see Joel McHale in it. I was like, is that is that the community guy? <laughs> so um, that was really fun to see, too. And just, like, what I really love, too, is even though it's a superhero show, it feels very grounded. And, you know, Courtney's going to have these powers. She has the staff. We have some really cool choreography. You know, they're incorporating her gymnastics experience into her action sequences, which is really cool. But also, like, Pat is this father figure who's really trying very hard. And he's very grounded. Like, he's not, a su- you know, a traditional superhero. He doesn't have any powers. He... You know, he has this big mechanical robot thing. Um, So he's sort of the outcast in his own way. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how the two of them come together as a team and a father-daughter unit um, moving forward. Um, And just in general, like, it's very bright. It's very sunny. It has this very hopeful feel. It's in Nebraska. Um, Yeah, in Nebraska. It's just, you know. like, you know yeah it's it's bubbly without being a pest you know like it, it's not too perky it's just the right amount of perky <laughs> the basket of america mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah like those are the, the main things and i think i mean i love that they did introduce the friend group and that obviously like courtney is not gonna immediately blend in to school and all that good stuff. So I feel like as a pilot, it was it interested me enough to want to see more of it. Um, 
without feeling like, oh my god, I can't believe I have to watch another superhero show. Okay. Yeah, I think for me, like, the it definitely had a great intro. The fight melee between the JSA and the Justice League was great. I loved all the Easter eggs of the heroes. Like, you got Wildcat, you got Jay Garrick's hat um, on the steps. I couldn't, I don't think you could see actually Jay Garrick, but you did see his, like, hat, and you could see, like, all of the um, like brainwave and icicle, um, Solomon Grundy, like everybody's like fighting each other. Um, it was really, really action packed um, intro to the episode. Um, Pat, poor Pat. <laughs> the fact I, I think that like speaking of things that the episode poked fun of itself a lot. Um, the Pat being the forever sidekick, like. He's not in the JSA photo because he took the photo. Um, when he saves, he goes in the house to save Starman, but Starman didn't want him there because he wanted to like wait in the car. <laughs> and when he's like dying, like Pat saves him from uh, the the house first of all, and then from the car when it blows up and like Starman is dying, he's like, you know, it's time for the new generation, but not you. <laughs> the staff must be carried on with someone with like grace. And dignity, but definitely not you. I'm like you rude ass, you're dying here. She has a respect for Pat. <laughs> um, and in like the the present day time, you know, he is just kind of like this nice guy, and and Courtney's like giving him a hard time. Um, the guy, the for whatever reason, across the street from. Pat's new place is like, you need to come to my gym! Like, like really, like, meathead, aggressive advertising. It's like, get some meat on your bones, that kind of thing. Like, so he's got, like, people picking on him for being too skinny. He's, like, a sidekick. His name was Stripesy. Like, he's got all of these kind of things. Like, he's very much kind of, like, the underdog in the show, like, already, like, off the bat. So, the I think, like, um, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, him along with Courtney going on this journey with her and being her mentor. Um, and then her being also kind of like the underdog in this situation of being at a new school and not necessarily making friends that quickly. Um, they're going to have, they're going to like start to bond in a lot of ways. I feel like a lot, the staff will bring them much closer. Um, I agree about the, the gymnastics and the visuals, like um, when the staff first takes Courtney out on a walk and she starts training and figuring out what she can do. She used, like, a lot of, like, her gymnastic experience in training with the staff. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, I liked some, like, because we know, like, Sportsmaster is going to be in here in Cheshire. Um, and just kind of, like, Young Justice Tees for me. So it's kind of cool to see those kind of things pop up. Um, what did what did not spark joy? Um, <clears throat> I don't think anything was like super like unsparking of joy. Um, until we get to Sora's feedback, where I I assume he reveals or, or says something that is enlightening and that will make me less joyful. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, for myself, when I was watching, I think it was just kind of like the transplant storyline. Like, usually, like, when you, like, you get to a new school and you have those scenes where it's like, this is the this table, and this is the that table, and this is the that table. Things are different here. Um, was, like, not 
that great. It was, just, it was like, super basic, and it wasn't even, like, oh, this is cliche, and I've seen this many times. It was just kind of, like, you tried. There was an attempt at being doing that storyline, and it took up an, an, an unnecessary amount of time, considering that nothing happened in it. Um, also, she was, like, super... Like, when she was, like, protecting them from the bullies or whatever... Not that I should have I should have put the drive-in scene as one of my likes because that was awesome. I love the way that she like fought them with the staff at the at the drive-in scene. But when she confronted them at school and just got herself in detention, I was like, "Yeah, why are you being so aggressive? My God, <laughs> just tell them to leave." <laughs> I was like, "This is too much." And she's not. It's, it's like they're trying to like portray her as this problem child, and she's clearly not. <laughs> yeah, it was like okay. Um, and then also, like, the evil people are just, like, so obviously evil. They just, like, wander around with, like, evil smirks on their faces. Hello, I'm evil! <laughs> and my evilness amounts to making the kids play more video games and getting rid of gymnastics teams! Ha 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 So I was like, okay. I mean, it does seem like it's, like, it's, like, evil in that, like, complacent way of, like, um, just, like, things seem fine, but your kids are playing video games all day? Like, I don't know. Like, this literally all is like, okay, I guess this is evil. But their their faces are super evil all the time. And, like, evil child, bully child dad, who is Brainwave, was like, tell me more about the lady with the staff. I literally do not care about your injuries or your hurt pride or anything that you may be going through. Tell me more about this person who is Starman! Um, and I was like, okay. How, no wonder this child is, you know, an evil bully because his father is just wandering around. Like, I could not be more evil. If I actually did things that were evil instead of making menacing statements and glaring. So, yeah. I feel like, as of right now, the threat you know, is not really very... I don't feel like an active threat. Aside from when, like, he was actually, like, fighting her. Mm -hmm. Right? But he was fighting her because she was there. If she hadn't been there, he wouldn't have been fighting her. And then nothing would be happening. So, that's all. Yeah. I mean, Sora will expand on this, probably. But... I am a little disappointed that given the fact that this character is inspired by Jeff Johns' sister mm-hmm. and Jeff Johns is also half Lebanese, he did not incorporate any of his Arab heritage into uh, the character of the show. Um, is it? Have you read any of the Stargirl comics? Either you are talking I have not. I haven't, but it's also not incorporated in the comics. Yeah. Mm. So I feel like that was just a missed opportunity for representation on screen and kind of sucks. Plus, he's like from Michigan. It's like the most Arab state, one of the most <laughs> Arab states in the U.S. <laughs> um, so that's upsetting to me. Uh, based solely on like the pilot itself, um, I didn't feel threatened by the injustice society um like tati already mentioned and then there was i was kind of disappointed in the fact that like they introduced her friends but we didn't really get any great moments between them they were just kind of there and you know that they're going to come into play later on but i feel like for a pilot episode for especially since we all watched on dc universe and it was almost an hour long that precious time was wasted not sort of building those relationships early on um yeah in your first episode, like this is how you hook people, you know? Yeah. So, cause they have, you know, they released all these, um, portrait photos of everyone 
in the cast and I was like oh there's she actually has a lot of friends like I thought it was sincerely going to be about her and Pat (laughs) only so to find out that she had friends that were supposedly going to be a bigger part of the show I went into the pilot thinking that they were going to have more scenes together but that did not happen one lunch table scene yeah so that's right there could have at least been their reaction to her getting in trouble too or like a follow-up yeah yeah Yeah, sorry you got to detention for pushing that bully you know yeah. yeah, exactly. So uh, a little underwhelming. And then I don't know, just like the fact that the Injustice Society, all that stuff happened just like 10 years ago <laughs> um, is a little bit odd because it's just like it's recent enough that these villains shouldn't necessarily be in hiding, you know? Um and none of them have really moved away either. So it feels like, yeah, what have you been doing the last 10 years? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what are you waiting on? Like, that yeah. was what, I think that's what bothered me the most. Like, you you beat, you did it. You beat the JSA. And then you do nothing <laughs> for 10 years. Like, why aren't you, like, bad guying it up, you know? Why is yeah. the world in chaos? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and there were certain parts that were, like I said, you know, they took, too long to get started um and it kind of brought down the overall mood of the the episode and also like her mom working at a company called the american dream and then the injustice society probably formula right it just i don't know and like a lot of american flags and whatnot it just felt too on the nose you know yeah and had like like a very 50s vibe and that's cool but also it just I don't know, like there was something old school about it in in modern day, but it was just I guess a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah. Cause I guess I don't I don't know if I was like mistaken in my understanding, because I I know you said that it could have like a fifties vibe to it, so I was expecting it to be in the fifties, but then like the brother Same. talking about going to his friend's house to play Fortnite. I'm like, well, that was definitely not. <laughs> yeah, because house. like you had the car, they had like the soundtrack they were playing. Yeah, um, Little Richard and whatnot. So it was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was a little bit. You know, drive-in movies. You know, were a thing. I was like, okay. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what year is it? <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like other than the Injustice League winning and just deciding to do nothing for ten years. Um, you know, deciding to retire, like, well, I've, I've finished my bucket list. I guess I will just retire now and, you know, raise some ungrateful kids. Um, but aside from that, like, the only other thing, like, I don't know what, because uh, I didn't watch it on the CW, so I don't know what was possibly cut, um, how they cut it down into 45 minutes from 57 or whatever. But it just seemed like there were periods of time that stretched out way too long um all the new like adjusting to new city montages they were super slow and kind of boring um it kind of dragged the episode a lot and i feel like um what you guys were saying if they had taken that time to kind of invest in some more relationships courtney with some friends at school or even you know explaining why the justice league or the injustice society is you know not doing anything um, showing how the American Dream Company that her mother is not working for is actually like a shady cover-up organization 
or, you know, something. But instead we get, like, all of these wink, wink, nod, nods of villains. Like, the janitor is super creepy. All he does is stare. You Like, you see, like, these little, like, pop-ups of weird adults, adults acting weird, but there's no further explanation on that. Like, if... I feel like the um, girl, the I guess she was a girl, or the gym teacher in the cafeteria is probably Cheshire, uh, but I didn't really get a look at her from the melee in the beginning of the episode, so just her staring intently. Like, why is she, like, how does she even know Courtney? Like, are they waiting, were they waiting for Courtney to come to back to Blue Valley? Like, I don't understand <laughs> why all of these, like, adults are just, like, lurking in the background and staring at her. Um for seemingly no reason. So it just kind of, you know, it's lost if we don't get any explanation for what they're doing or why they're doing it or, you know, why they're waiting on singling her out or something like that, you know? Um, so I, you know, overall it was, it was enjoyable, but I would hope that episode two on, they pick up the action. Like I, I liked the beginning of the episode where there's a lot of action I liked the, I also liked the star, I forgot to say that in my spark joy, but the Starman conversation where Courtney's like, maybe he's, my dad left on Christmas Eve, Starman left on Christmas Eve. Plus two. Because it's, 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 you know, when you want your dad not to be a shitty person, it's easier to believe that he left because he's actually a superhero. So I, I actually liked that conversation a lot. Um, but the middle, the ending of the episode was great because she actually got to fight someone or, you know, the staff made her fight someone. And the staff being like a golden retriever is, can be like cute, but also annoying. Um, just because it, <laughs> it just keeps taking her out in situations that she's not ready for. And like, here's a bad guy, fight him. Um, but the ending had a lot more action and the beginning had a lot more action. And then in the middle, it just kind of like dragged out too long. Um, so I would hope from the second episode, we either get more of her adjusting and actually developing friendships at the school, along with figuring out what the actual plan is for the bad guys um, and action and a lot less, you know, new city who kind of feel so. But what did Suara have to say about Stargirl? Suara thought it was okay. <laughs> um, I honestly felt very meh watching the first episode. Courtney is likable enough, but I don't find the plot line of her moving and fitting into a new high school to be written that well, at least so far. Yeah. I like the parts that where she was learning to use the staff, though. I genuinely, I genuinely think the show could grow into something great, and we'll keep watching. Um, so he also thinks... Um, he's going to get something controversial. I don't think it's controversial, Suara. I feel the same. <laughs> and we've discussed this. He thinks that Jeff Johns being half Lebanese um, and that this base being based on his sister, it was one- a wonderful thing to do for sure. However, he can't help but feel disappointed that Courtney has never been coded with any Lebanese or Middle Eastern North African heritage. I know that has to do with systemic racism at DC, and that is likely part of the reason Jeff couldn't push as much for that heritage for that character. I do know he co-created the Lebanese Green Lantern, Simon Baz, and I think he would have if he if he thought he could. However, I'm still disappointed watching this show for what 
could have been. It also feels like a stinging reminder that all the shows that are led and headlined by women, barring Legends of Tomorrow and to some degree The Flash, all of them are white women. It's disappointing that we don't have a show yet headlined explicitly by a woman of color. I can definitely imagine, but what are y'all's thoughts on this whole topic? I think, I mean, given the fact that, like Tati said, you know, there's racism involved, obviously, and the fact that when people talk about women being a lead on a show or whatever, it's usually they're referring to white women um, in those conversations. And the fact that, I don't know, for me, like Tati just confirmed in the, in the comics themselves, she's also not at least half Lebanese or Middle Eastern in general is an issue itself. So when they wanted to translate that on screen, you know, I'm sure no one thought, Hey, we should do this. Thing too is that yeah. Jeff Johns isn't part of that of the show, you know. Right, so, like, he's the showrunner. I, totally, I totally understand that, like maybe in the time that Courtney Whitmore was created, in the time like it was so long ago. But either yeah. way, you know, it that's, was like yeah, that's what I was I was gonna say too. Like, and maybe like in the time that she was created, he couldn't push a lot for it, and so she's right. not really cool that way. But it's like 2020 now. This is your exactly. show. Yeah, it's, yeah TV. it's your yeah. show, and everyone knows Jeff Johns is like, oh my god, Jeff Johns DC, yes, you know. So yeah. clearly, he has some sort of weight there. Right. So I feel like and, he could have really pushed for it. And yeah. she could honestly, still, like, I have like, to admit. Mm. Sorry, what were you saying? Go ahead, Tati. Oh no, I was just gonna say I have to admit, like when I was watching it, I didn't even cross my mind because even though I know that Jeff Johns is half Lebanese, I don't ever associate him with his, um, you know, Middle Eastern or Arab heritage because um, I don't know that that's something that he really actively. I don't know how much he like pushes that or talks about that. He did. Yeah, I don't think he does, and I think that he's also usually coded as white. Right. So, so I think this would have been a really nice opportunity for him to sort of open that door. And the fact that he doesn't didn't is definitely disappointing. But I also think it's something that a lot of people aren't even aware of. So. Yeah. And she could still be like Americana, but also yeah. be half Lebanese. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's tragic, but you know. This was only the pilot. Um, Tati hasn't seen more episodes. May, have you seen the next episode? I have seen the second one, and I tried watching the third one, but my internet hates me. So Um, the second one involves more Injustice Society stuff. Okay. Yeah. So you really Uh get to see, um, I think, Icicle (laughs) in particular. Yeah. And they, um, oh, no, no. That's the third. That'll be the third episode. In the third episode. I'm gonna spoil some stuff for you. Uh oh. <laughs> but like small stuff. Since apparently you can now own Star Girl complete season on DVD <laughs> or digital or whatever. So I'm, am I really spoiling? Right, you're not. You're not. <laughs> the beginning of uh, episode three, I recall them having like a conversation of like getting the Injustice Society back together. Like something happened and then one member calls another member and they're just like, yo, we, you know, something's going on in blue Valley and we need to split apart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think most of them live there and then one of them doesn't, but I can't remember who it was. So I'll have to rewatch. Okay. Do we have, well, do you have, it's only been one episode and I don't really have any ideas about where the show could be going because they didn't really give away much in the pilot, but do you have any, clue or any mm-hmm. predictions that you want to share i only want to see more of her friends and as of yes. episode two that still hasn't really happened oh no well that's yeah. unfortunate okay um yeah i mean i just want to see more of her friends too i don't i can't really think of any predictions like i i honestly don't feel like the first episode set set up enough groundwork for me to like 
know what the DNA of the show is outside yeah. of her bond with Pat, which is my favorite thing. Same. Okay. So moving into our final episode, our final show, our final show, Legends of Tomorrow. After drinking from the chalice, the legends have immortality for 24 hours, which gives them time to get to the Rave Rider and use the Loom of Fate. However, they quickly realize that the sisters have stolen the Wave Rider with the help of Astra, and they no longer have the portal to get from Constantine's house back to the ship, and they actually have to physically get from his house in London to a Time Bureau safe house to get a courier to get back on the ship. Um, and they also have the added challenge that it's a zombie apocalypse because Lachesis uh, uses her magic loom powers to send an army of dead people after the legends to keep them occupied for 24 hours until their immortality runs up, at, runs out of time. Meanwhile, one person managed to make it back to the ship, which was Gary because of his irritable bowel syndrome. And he quickly Perfect. discovers what's going on, um, gets electrocuted by the ship and has hallucinates Gideon, who is actually his pet rabbit. Um, and Gideon and Gary, Gideon and Gary, have on time adventures, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever his theme song was, um, they go on a mission together to retrieve the the three rings from the sisters. Um, he's unfortunately caught, obviously, and has to hold the fort until the legends are able to return. Andrew Kosh directed the episode written by Kia Puglia? Puglia? And Emily Cheever. What sparks joy? All the Tsar and Constantine stuff was amazing. I got more than I expected. <laughs> and I was thrilled. Um, all the sexual tension, you know, him having to save her after he stopped her heart with magic and like realizing that wake up, Zari love. Yes, John, get your woman. <laughs> He calls everyone love, but when he calls it to her, it hits different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that, that too. He said amazing. it. I, he said it, and my heart stopped. And I was like, oh, I called everyone bad. And I was like, doesn't matter. It's different. It's different. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that all of that was great, and then them arguing, like they're constantly bickering, and then you know you're you're like, man, this is leading to something. They can't be this upset with each other all the time. They need to let their sexual tension go and just kiss, just kiss, have sex, do whatever you need to do. Um, so that was great. And then we get to the point where they do actually start making out and it was just beautiful, beautiful times were spent in this episode of Constantine and Zari. I love my new ship. Um, I really liked also the fact that like that had to be done because of last episode and Zari not drinking out of the chalice. So it felt like, yay, continuity. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just in general like the whole concept of them being st- stranded without their ship because usually you know they're always relying on the wave rider and whatnot and now they just kind of had nothing but them but each other to rely on um, and all of their skill sets so you had like the moment where they all get arrested um, 
or put in that truck and makes like, man, I promised Lita that I wouldn't get locked up again. But then he uses those same skills from previously to get them out of that truck because there's a weak spot in the door. So that was really clever. Um, and then Sarah having, you know, or training and mentoring Ava to, you know, believe in herself as a captain and lead the team and like, what would Ava do? Not what would Sarah do? Um, all of that was really great. Although it was really sad. Uh, but I did love the whole, like their new OTP line is co-captains for life. And I thought that that was really, uh, meaningful to their relationship and kind of sums it up really well. Um, look, what's her? Ast- Atropo is yeah, fucking scary, Atropo. man. The actress who plays her gives me the creeps, <laughs> but she's great in it. Like she just does her thing and I'm terrified. She just kills with no remorse. Just, you know, does whatever. And I thought it was really well done the way that they had that dynamic with Astra and like Astra tried to play the whole, Oh, you know, I'll work for you, but you have to give me this, this and this. But it was almost like because Astra grew up in hell for the most part, and she's still sort of a child in a lot of ways, this episode sort of showed that like she wants to get rid of like, was it gumdrops or something like Prune. random? Yeah. Prune. Prune. No prune. Like what? All dogs should be puppies <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah. So like kind of like little kid things that you'd yeah. you know, want when you're, you're that age. So <laughs> I thought that was really good. Um, but also the fact that she was giving into not i didn't like this but like the fact that she's it showed her growth that she was giving into her fear she's not used to feeling pain in the sense that like as a human you have to live your life with people and you know people die and then um she didn't want to have to go through that with her mom so she'd rather not have her mom at all versus like actually spending time with her which gary points out just like well, you could have that time like sure she's gonna die but like which make your life much better because you'd have yeah. those memories and it would make your life uh, a lot better so that was really good um yeah and i think it was just like a strong episode overall for all these character relationships and the plot moving forward finally yes i totally agree i i'm really impressed um and confused by how Legends made, like, a zombie episode. So, like, really good and full of emotional stakes. Because um, when it started, I was not expecting that at all. I was just like, okay, Walking Dead, but funny. Um, and, yes, Constant Z are quickly rising to the top of the ranks for Legends ships. Um, I cannot believe they are so good. And I was not expecting this at all when, you know, going back to that Romeo and Juliet kiss, I was like, no, that's dumb. <laughs> and now I take it back. It's so smart. Um, loved that they just basically boned. And then they come back in the room like, hey, what's up? Mm, circle of uh, <laughs> drinking time. Um, so, yes. Uh, and, and, yeah, like, um, you know, Constantine, like, actually really being desperate when he's trying to save Zari. And I loved that she, you know, First, she's, like, trying to give him some hope, and then he's like, no, I'm too lame for hope. And then he's, like, trying to give her some, but he quickly, very, very quickly failed. Um, and I was like, well, I saw that you die. You can't save Bayrod. It's fine. And she called him out on it, and then he's like, I have to go back to smoking because I, I upset Zari, and now I'm upset. So, um, yeah, I love their dynamic. Also, just, like, all, the way that they used Sarah's going to die as kind of like a cover for like they're actually all gonna die um was great (laughs) like 
I was yeah. like waiting for the like emotional, you know, send off with Sarah. Like, oh no, Sarah's dead for an episode. Just come back next week. And I'm like, wait a second, we're all dead and coming back next week. What are we gonna do? So that was like that was very well done. And of course, Sarah and Ava continue to be um, excellence. I love, as May already pointed out, the um, co-captains for life thing. I like that Sarah at first just didn't want to burden Ava with it, but then when Ava presses, she is willing to open up and explain what's going on and also, like, push Ava to, like, be the captain, to be her best self, to really actually, um, you know, lead in her absence and also to give her the faith that she's going to be able to bring her back. Even though it didn't end up working out, it's going to be Charlie. But (laughs) either way, it's great. Also, that cliffhanger of, like, oh, is Charlie going to suddenly work with with the fates, which obviously... It's not the case, but yeah. still, it's like it's, it's it is dramatic, and you're like, wait, what? Oh, just like uh, Gary's amazing brand of empathy, his his magical empathy, uh, help helping him get through to a Astra, Astra. just in time, and then like Astra gets killed for that, and then Gary gets killed for that, like, oh, so there's just a roller coaster ride of emotions this episode, and it only works, of course, because you know they're all coming back, like. <laughs> This is, and wouldn't it be like insane if this was like the unintended finale? <laughs> like, yes. Oh my god! <laughs> Everyone dies. <laughs> That's the show. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. So um, anyway, <laughs> um, other than that, yes, the Gary and Gideon team up was really cute and fun, and then it was like super sad uh, when she was like, "I cannot help you because I am a rabbit. I'm thinking yeah, of your I... imagination." Yeah. So that made me real sad. Um, but overall, it was great. I don't know. Like, everything about it was good. So good job, Legends. Oh, I also love when they're, like, going around in, like, left circle. Um, saying, like, what they um, what they would change. And, like, make me go back to, like, a petty life of crime, et cetera, you know? But then it was, like, Sarah was the only one that was like, you know what? I really like it here. This is what I want. I reached pe- I'm at peace with the fact that I'm going to die in two minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that was really good. Oh, and also, of course, there was that, that little, like, Zarya and Constant, Constantine moment there, too, anyway. When they were, like, talking about what they wanted, and they looked at each other, like... They finally get each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. That's all. Yeah. Like, I got fed so well with all, of, like, the Constant Z, like, sexual tension, like, leading up to them finally, like, making out or ha- and or having a quickie in the pub in London and Nate just being, like, oblivious. <laughs> Me, like the Nate was oblivious. To yeah, they're calling it like a love triangle. I'm like, is it though? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> is it really? <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's only two sides that are actually doing anything in this triangle here. Um, but like from the beginning, even you know, on the bus, there's like this the setup of, <laughs> ironically, Constantine trying to smoke in front of a no smoking poster, um, and you know, like Nate is you know trying to be comforting to Zari, saying it's going to be okay, and she kind of takes that, but then, like, she's immediately, like, distracted by Constantine and his, his smoking, which I don't know why she's upset about him smoking now, since he's, I guess maybe once you die from lung cancer and come back, maybe you shouldn't smoke anymore. Um, but also, she probably doesn't want to be making out with that smoky smell. Yeah, she was very, like, exactly. grossed out. <laughs> she's very grossed out by smokers and zombies. Um, I thought, like, when, you know, they were... Uh, first attacked by the zombies and she's like ew 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 <laughs> and uh Constantine actually has to like save her 
at one point from a zombie. Like, I thought, like, all of that was just, like, super cute. And, you know, obviously they bicker and can't get, like, John can't say the right thing to save his life. And that annoys her. Um, but they all, like, those moments where they do, like, have each other's back. I like the fact that they ran off together to find something because, you know, Zari didn't want to wait and he knew where to go. Um, the whole when they were in the when she was in the garage and she found the keys but the zombie was coming and she killed him and she's like ew and he's like are you okay love and it's like that other like you know I know he says it all the time <laughs> but it, it hits different right now um, like him stopping her heart and you know everything about them and how it kind of like built up in their last fight into I thought at first I thought he was gonna they were gonna kiss when he restarted her heart. He was like, Yes, kiss and then they didn't, so I'm like, damn it. I've been teased again. And then it finally happened in this episode, so I was really happy about that. Um Avalanche, like you guys said, co captains for life. I thought it was really uh beautiful episode for their relationship especially. I feel like all season Sarah's been hyping Ava up since she lost her job to, you know, be the best captain that she could be and it was kind of like once we figured out that Sarah saw that she was going to die it was like wait a minute like they first they got rid of Ray Mick has a storyline with his daughter that could potentially move him off the show Sarah's gonna die like <laughs> and I thought at first at that time I only thought that I thought that Sarah was the only one's gonna die I was like are they like trying to like revamp the show and get rid of all of like the original cast and you know, <laughs> I don't understand what's going on um, but the Sarah's faith in Ava is just like one of the constant like good things about their relationship. Um, I like that the little running joke that Ava um, is very hard to distinguish from a zombie just from <laughs> her demeanor and like her gruffness. Yes. And everyone kept sticking her for a zombie. It's kind of funny. Um, the Gary and Gideon team up was delightful. Um, Gary was like, uh, like, like really attracted to Gideon, <laughs> and I can tell if she was like reciprocating or just like trying to get him to focus on the job by you know being cutesy or whatever. But whatever it was, it was fun. Um, I I really enjoyed Ash Gary talking to Astra about her mom because um, I I thought it was stupid. Astra posed this whole like argument like, "Well, your mom's gonna die again. Let me show you." And Astra's like, okay, you're right, you know? Because when she showed her the vision, Astra was the same age as she is now. Like, she's old. Astra's a grown woman, and her mother dies of cancer or whatever she was She was sick. Um, but, you know, and that's obviously very going to be a very painful and sad moment when it happens. But I'm thinking, like, okay, but, like, you see how old you are? <laughs> like, look at all the years that you give with your mother up until this point. And so I thought it was kind of dumb that that was – you know, she's, like, flipped because of that. So I'm glad that Gary was able to kind of talk her through it. And Gary is also, Gary has also had, like, a little William moment because, like, Gary's life is in danger in this moment. And Astra's about to stab him. And he's like, oh, my God, you you saw your mom die? Are you okay? Like, <laughs> Gary is more concerned about Astra's well-being than his own. Um, and so and I, I like that he showed her kindness and empathy I didn't kind of like react badly because I feel like um she doesn't get a lot of that and so 
his ability to be able to talk to her and ask her how she's doing, how she's feeling, you know, happy moments, better mom, um, was really what she needed in that moment. Um, so that was really nice. I, I hate that she died after it, but, and he died. Everybody started dying. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> that, that was, that was actually, it's weird that that sparked joy. But it, was kind of, <laughs> it didn't spark joy because I'm glad that they all died, but it was, it was <laughs> like a nice, yes, <laughs> everyone dies. No, but it was a nice, it was a nice twist um, going off of thinking that only Sarah was dying because that's going to be, that would have been like really sad. Um, but the fact that everybody dies, you know that the show has another episode, so everybody's going to have to come back to life at some point. Um, so that was cool as well. And then, like you said, the the whole sitting around the table talking about, like, what you would change. Um, you know, Sarah's, you know, wanting to stay in this moment was really nice, especially knowing that she's going to die. Um, but also, you know, Constantine, even though he was mad that Astra, well, he thought Astra betrayed him, um, getting getting him to kind of like dig deeper than a multi-continent rager and actually say that, you know, I want to make sure that I do right by her this time and that she has a good life growing up. Like I'm not just going to like forget about her once this is all over. It was really nice. Um, not sparking joy. Is there anything to critique this episode about? What? That is a great question. (laughs) (laughs) No. End of episode. I mean, I would have said that everybody dies, but then, you know, again, they're going to be brought back. So we already know this. And it was. (laughs) Why am I gasping? I already knew this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, like, the one thing I was. I didn't love the Gary. uh, Gideon dynamic until I realized that she was just a figment of his imagination. <laughs> that's but, true. That's true. Because <laughs> I was like, I guess they just love bringing her back in human form. I don't know if I'm supposed to be creeped out by this or not. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think there was anything. Great job, Legends. Perfection. Um, yeah, I do agree that like when it started off with um, Gary and Gideon, I was like, why does this feel so much like? Was it Rip and Gideon? And like they had like the like like shipping moments, and I was like, oh, yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. But this is, like, Gary just wanting to be, like, Rip in that moment. (laughs) So then that's better. (laughs) Um, I think I... I guess I didn't like that Astra was going to work with um, the sisters. Like, I wanted her to be secretly working against them. And now it feels like they're going to do that with Charlie, so that's fine. But I was... There was, like, the... I'm not mad at you, Astra. I'm just disappointed. Um, (laughs) And... And, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, if there's anything else that we didn't get more of the Zari and Constantine scene, you know? I feel like we could have spent a little more time on the sex that they were definitely having. <laughs> they were definitely having. <laughs> I really they don't... come out, like, so awkwardly, like... Yeah. <laughs> is it hot exactly. Is it hot? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I really have anything else. I mean, you know, yeah. That's, that's it was a really good episode. It was really uh, well done. I feel like it's also like re- in retrospect or just like comparatively speaking, since they actually get to finish their season, this is actually a second to last episode. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just in a better position than all the other DC TV shows. <laughs> so yeah, I want okay. It's, I, it's the only thing that didn't spark joy. I just mentioned it in my spark joys 
comments was just the fact that Astro is so easy to flip. Like, with Atropos, like, she had, like, a weak argument. Like, here's your mother dying. You're still, you know, (laughs) an adult, but she died. Like, humans die. (laughs) Like, that is, you know, something, no matter if they use the loom or not, like, I don't know why Asha thought that if she brought her mother back, her mother would live forever because that was never going to happen. Um, so I didn't like that it was that easy. There wasn't any kind of like deeper reason or forced participation, cooperation or whatever. Um, but Gary fixed it. So I, I'm not really that hung up on it. Um, what did Suara have to say about this episode? Suara is the only one we can trust. Yes, I mean, Suara also loved this episode. Yes, he says, it's absolutely one of the best episodes. The pacing, the drama, the comedy, the balance of characters, everything came together so well. In caps lock, yes, Zari and Constantine. Yes! (laughs) We have another person on the ship. (laughs) Now, this is a ship I can sail on. If it can't be Zarly, that is. Tala and Matt have such great chemistry and complement each other really well. Watching them outsmart the zombies was one of the most intense scenes that Legends has ever done, and they pulled it off so well. It was actually believable that Sarah's blind this episode. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's my spot. And the story between her and Ava was so heartbreaking to watch. I'm also disappointed that we haven't gotten to explore Sarah's journey as a blind person. That's true. It came so late in the season. Um, As that would have been so meaningful to see on screen. Um, not sure how I feel about the Astra plot overall, as I don't like that she betrayed the team. And yet Astra, obviously your mom would eventually die again. But I thought Olivia overall did a great job of selling the subpar material she was given to work with this episode. Charlie being the one to get back on the ship was great. And I hope that she's the one that fully saves the day next week. It's so interesting. I know that everyone's basically going to be okay, but this episode really felt like it had stakes more so than most seasons of Legends. I think the team overall did a great job and I look forward to what will happen next. Do you have any predictions on what will happen next? I don't know, but I'm really excited to see them on all the They'll TV. All be back. Yes. <laughs> I feel like the next the next episode is the one where they're in like fake reality, fake TV land. Yes, and yeah. I think this is the episode we saw um in the preview pictures, Behrad is in this episode, mm-hmm. but it's in like fake TV land. So I I'm wondering because Constantine had this conversation with Sari about, you know, you know, Rip Hunter said some things are some some things are like fixed points or inevitable can't be changed and then you have you know the whole thing with Astra and her mom like your mom is going to to die again at some point um and they're no longer more immortal so they can't use the loom again so we're gonna have to figure out how to do that but I, I am a little bit wondering because we like we had in and on be like everything's gonna be all right because the actor he came back to shoot some of the last episodes but also if this next episode is in in a fake world. He's in a fake world, but will they actually bring him, like, save him at the end of the day? Or is Zara going to have to come to peace with the fact that his death is a fixed point? Yeah, well, I think it is a fake world, but the synopsis was basically saying that Charlie's the one who separated them into the TV world to save them from the fates, the rest of, like, her sister's. So I'm wondering, like, once she teams up with them, if she gets her hands on the on his loom and brings him back. I don't know. I'm I'm less convinced than I was before that they'll bring him back. I think they'll bring back Astra, um, 
Asher's mom because that's been the story the whole season. I'm less convinced now that they'll bring back Mehrad, although I, I really want him back. Yeah. I also want Mehrad back, and I am going to just say, since I can't jinx it now, it's already done, um, I think that by putting them in the TV land, it'll, like, reset things. Like, Sarah will be able to see again, Mehrad will be alive again, whatever. Uh-huh. Like, that's what I expect. Like, we'll pull them out of TV land, and then they'll be, like, restored, or just, like, their TV land selves were. Okay. I like it. That's interesting. <laughs> what about uh, Lady with Gumption for side B? Stargirl. Yeah, Courtney. Yes. Stargirl. <laughs> yeah. She pulled out that, that staff and she was ready to go to bat she with it. The only girl, yes. So, so yeah, I support that. Um, and then also for Legends. Sorry. For, like, Sorry? willingly trying to give up her life to say to you know to get to the ship and save her brother okay okay and also she had the gumption to make our dreams come true yes that too (laughs) (laughs) let our ship sail all right so so I, i don't have any strong arguments on other people that i care to talk about so i'm just gonna go with Zari for Legends, we have uh, Courtney for Stargirl, and then we had um, Mary for Batwoman, and uh, it was Mary, right, for Batwoman, and mm-hmm. then um, was it Lena, Lena. Lena for Supergirl. Yeah. Oh, that's tough. I mean, I think I'll take Stargirl off the table. Okay. <laughs> 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 um, I, I kind of feel like Lena was up against the biggest stakes. I I think so too, and yeah. I think she proved herself more times in one episode um, than the other ladies. Right on the list, I think she had like the the strongest showing out of all of the ladies this week. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that means Lena is the winner for this week. Yay, Lena! Woo-hoo. Redemption fully restored. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that is it for this week. Um, we next week we have a much shorter podcast because we lose Superbat and we have Stargirl and um, Legends on one side. So we'll do that and we'll just see you next week. Bye. Bye.